welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their great hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to episode 168. Hey, Matt. How's it going, buddy? Well, man. How are you? Oh, we're just uh, just driving down the road. Looks like a lot of bugs have hit your windshield here in the last hour or so. Dude, I just cleaned it like an hour ago. I know. It was like, spotless. Massacre. And it's just clobbered in yeah. insects. Yep. And they're still hitting. Well, guys, welcome to the show. Um, if you're just kind of tuning in, you missed the last episode. Matt and I are on our way back from our 2022 Montana elk trip. And man, was that a fun time, wasn't it? Dude, it was. It was a blast. Yeah, it was. Uh, Never a dull moment. We'll no, um, just an incredible amount of stuff happening yes. in seven straight days of hunting. Um, a lot of crazy travel. So what we thought we'd do is just kind of do a recap, uh, day by day, kind of unpack some of the stuff that happened. Uh, I'm not gonna get a give away the ending or anything like that. Now, if you follow on Instagram, you may know. Uh, how it all ends, but um, there's uh, some stuff that we didn't reveal on Instagram that in this podcast we're going to unload. Later on, I'll do a video and put all that on YouTube and on all that stuff, and Matt's going to do, if you follow Matt underscore dub underscore media, you can uh, check out, he's going to do like a really cool story, Uh, so you can follow the story day by day, what happens, chapter by chapter, I think you're going to maybe do. Break down the chapters, yeah. But we had an incredible time, I'll just start with that. And, um, but we want to just kind of break it down, some of the things that we learned along the way. I think we maybe we'll do another podcast where we kind of like talk about gear, tips, and yes. things like that. But yeah. this is more just kind of like what happened. So if you didn't listen to part one, that's like us recording on the way out. We talk about our game plan, what we thought we were going to do. And um, yeah. So, Matt, overall, how, how did you enjoy the trip? Uh, dude, it's. It's tough to put in the words, just the the magnitude of the trip. Yeah. There were so many experiences on so many different levels from what happened in the woods, from where we stayed, from the interactions of just people and events that would happen on the mountain. It was just like, it was something new every single day that was just yeah. unique and odd and interesting and fun and uh, just, just cool experiences you know and, and throughout the trip we were like why does this stuff keep happening to us yeah right? it was crazy man. uh just just interesting stuff man but so. it, it it added to it and just made it a huge uh fun trip well let's let's start at the very beginning and we'll just kind of work our way through so the last episode we were driving and we drove like a long stinking time <laughs> golly forever uh so for me I, I drove up to columbus so i had a little extra two hours so for me total trip 30 hours um I, whose idea was it that we should drive it straight through i that may have been me i think it was you bro yeah it was dumb. definitely it was definitely you but it, it's not like i was not on board with it i was yeah. totally all about it i mean because you were talking about how it would get us there yeah. this amount of time earlier which would give us this much more time to actually hunt and i was like i'm down so we left at like was it what, three? Yeah, about three, three thirty Eastern time on Sunday, and we drove. I drove through the night. Uh, you slept for like maybe what? an hour, maybe and you like woke hour. up, and then like you're just. I don't know if you're just being nice or just couldn't go back to sleep. Like we had so much stuff in this back seat of this truck yeah. that we couldn't lay down the passenger seat very much. So one comfortable, 
You got in about an hour. I drove all night till about like eight. You took over. I tried to sleep. I think I got maybe an hour tops. Yeah. And so, yeah, it was. And it, it came to a point where you and I were both just sleep deprived, exhausted. But it's like I didn't want to fall asleep because I wanted to keep you awake. Yeah. And right. it was vice versa, right? Yeah. So it's like now we're awake, now we're in it. Like we're just going to be awake and for each other. By the time we got through the night, we kind of got into more, in, like we're going through part of it right now, but. Like, we got into South Dakota and the Badlands, and so the terrain finally started looking kind of interesting, yeah. and then we drove through, you know, got into Wyoming for a second, then into Montana, and so, yeah, it was definitely a little bit more interesting during the day than the night, because we just drove through Iowa at night, but anyway, long story short, we we, we make it. Um, we are staying, <laughs> what's your initial, well, first off, as we're rolling in, there was a little bit of a frustration rolling in, we couldn't see the mountains. Yeah. Because uh, I think there was wildfires going on in Idaho, yeah. which is west of us, and all that smoke was blowing through the state of Montana. Yeah. Montana mean, had some too, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of miles the smoke is covering the land. Yeah. And so when we were driving in, we could not see the mountains, and it was just mad, eerie, and spooky, and just like the yeah. sun wasn't really sh- shining through. And it's kind of like after a 28-hour drive, like the reward is seeing these gigantic yes. mountains out in the distance. And so that was kind of weird. And then we rolled into a ranch that we're staying at. And it's like a legit cattle ranch, but there's nobody there. And it's kind of gloomy and dark. Yeah. And we got this little it's one. like a ghost town. Yeah. So we roll in. What time we get there? I think we got there like, I don't even know, five or six Montana time. It wasn't too bad. We settled in, unpacked our stuff, and went to bed. And got up the next morning. And so this would be like technically day one, but we were like we were spent. So we planned on sleeping in, shooting our bows. Uh, we were gonna honestly, we thought about driving over to this burn and doing like we we're planning on going over there, spending the night camping uh, beside the truck, and then just doing road bugles like that next morning. Yeah. Uh, was the the original game plan, but then we started talking, talking. about it yeah. and really thinking, man, let's get up into the mountains because so, it was the one of the guys working on the ranch. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So one of the cattle ranchers um, drove out a four wheeler, and he started telling us about this place. Said we'd have it to ourselves if we went up in it. Man, you always see elk up in this spot. But what we found is that the locals have different names than what Onyx. So yes. trying to get them to show us on Onyx where it was and stuff was a little tricky. But we kind of thought we had an idea. Um, in fact, I think the first night we were there, that's what we did. That first night we were there, we drove down to that spot and kind of tried to glass. You remember that? Yeah, we did. Yeah, we, I mean, we were running out of light pretty quickly, but we zoomed over there. Because it was either drive to the burn, which would have been an hour and 15 minutes roughly. Yeah. Or, and that would be get up the next day and do that. Because we're already, you know, just super tired. Or drive maybe 25, 20 minutes down the road yeah. and hop up into this this country that this ranch handler was, was talking about. Yeah, so we felt, I felt like, well, shoot, we got to go with the locals guy. It didn't yeah. seem like he was, like, just blowing smoke. Seemed like a nice guy trying to help us out. And um, so that's what we decided to do. So we slept in, got up, um, and just kind of took our time that morning. And so... I don't know exactly at what point this happened, but this plays a part in the story. My watch is technically like a smart watch, um, but it was set on Eastern time. 
Um, and at some point during this day, it switched to Montana time. And I don't know how that happened, if I accidentally turned on my Bluetooth for a split second. But somehow it, it picked up that we were on mountain time. So just keep that in mind. So we get over there, uh, and we drive all the way up in. And so day one, uh, we're gonna, we, we decided that we're going to switch days of shooting. So day one, Matt, you are the shooter. So bring us through kind of day one, what goes down. Yeah, so we get to the trailhead, we get out, we shoot our bows, make sure those are all dialed in, and do that you know, without any issues. Um, we put on our packs, we get all geared up and stuff. We have and, camp, camp on our back. Yes, so we've got our tents, I mean, and, and water and all this, this gear. I mean, we're packing in heavy, like super heavy. But we're jacked, we're, we're tired can't even think straight but we want to get up in the mountains where these elk are at and so uh we start hiking on a trail um get up in there and i think our first goal was to get up on top of the mountain where these big meadows were yeah and call down into these kind of north facing ridges so uh take a couple hours to get up there uh, probably make it up there and we decided to eat lunch did that so that was fun yeah um first meals in the you're in the rocking rocking those mountain houses Dude, man. mountain houses all day get them from yeah. walmart like 10 bucks i mean they they work well i was more me. of like a snacky kind of so i'd have like a rat like a tuna wrap one day or a bagel and like some honey the next day and then a ton of snacks and protein bars but you were like every meal is like a mountain mountain house, house man i wanted the hot warm yeah. high calorie you know meal so that's what i rolled with but so we get over there um eat some eat some grub and then we start calling down into those north-facing ranges, and we, we don't really hear much of anything. Yeah. And so we're like, well, let's, uh, let's go the complete opposite direction. Let's hike up even further in the mountains and try to get on some north-facing ranges that could potentially hold some, some elk. So, yeah, so we take off from there. And what I thought, like, so here's the truth. Matt will be able to tell you this for sure. I am not the world's greatest um, uh, topo map reader. Um, I struggle, man, like looking at those lines and trying to understand which one's up and where the ridge is and all. And Matt seems to have a way better handle of that. But, like, so I thought we would be, like, leaving from there going right into a north-facing slope. Now, if you don't know this, if you're not much of an elk hunter, um, elk love to bed in north-facing slopes because it's cooler there. There's more vegetation there. South-facing slopes look like like a desert, desert kind of yeah. like just like a lot of uh, sage, brush, rocks. You know, rocks. Very open. Yeah, and so elk will winter a lot. I think from what I've heard in the South Ranges, but during this time of year, man, they they love bedding in like those north-facing, especially if you have like a steep north facer with like a bench on it. That's that seems to be a pretty good spot, and then we found out some more. We'll reveal that as we go. Sure. But anyway, because north north facing, it doesn't get hit by the sun, so it holds a lot of moisture, yeah. which it allows you know plants and things like that to grow up. So they a lot of food, a lot of shelter, and that's why they're comfortable there. And it's also super cool during the during the yeah. warmer weather. Walking through there, you could clear. I mean, you could feel like a temp change. Oh, it yeah. just felt cooler yes. and nice. But anyway, we weren't on one of those. Uh, we ended up on more like, it was like a northeast facing slope. And yeah. it just wasn't, I, as we're walking through, I'm like, this is not, and we were on it for a long ways. And trying to follow this topo line where we're not losing elevation. And at a certain point, 
like we're going out through there a long ways and it just starts getting like we're having to climb a lot in fact i didn't realize this until i did this a little bit ago but that day matt we did four miles and we had two thousand foot in vertical gain and that's our day one hunt that's crazy yeah we're that's trying to crazy. take it easy yeah. if you guys remember like my last hunt, i did the exact same thing i killed us on the first day this is after a 28-hour non-stop drive. I mean, we did get some sleep that night at the cabin, but not a lot. But not much compared to how much yeah. we were awake. Yeah. So, so, so tell us about uh, how that day kind of ended. Yeah, <laughs> this so... Was, this was crazy. You know, we... I'm, And I'm not on Onyx much during this time because I'm like, Travis, he's got it, right? Like, he's going he's gonna to show us the way. And so uh, we're trying to get to the top of the mountain so that we can get on the south facing side to camp and uh or i'm sorry the south side of the mountain to camp because we don't want our thermals going down the mountain at night into the north facing stuff and spook all the elk out so we're climbing we're climbing we're climbing it's getting steeper and steeper and steeper and travis and i are debating like man and we're losing light we're like, do we keep going? It's get. I mean, if we keep going, it's just gonna get steeper and Which steeper. And goes back to the watch issue. Yeah. All of a sudden, I look at my watch, and my watch is telling me that it's like six thirty, and I'm like, I can't. So it's four thirty. I'm like, man, we got plenty of time to get to this. But then I look down at my phone, and my phone had updated, and my my phone is saying six thirty p.m. And I'm like, wait a second, did my watch update? And so, and I don't know. So literally, that day to me is just like a, a mystery because I don't know what time it was all day. Yeah. <laughs> like, did was it actually like one o'clock when we went in instead of eleven? I don't know, but we're running out of yeah. daylight and we're on a cliff. And, and time's important in the mountains in the backcountry, right? Because you don't want to be like us on a cliff face at night navigating those rocks uh, with a headlamp on, right? That's just a recipe for a disaster to happen. Right. And. Uh, so we, we get up, and we're almost to the crest of the mountain, and it's getting worse. It's get, losing light. We're, we're kind of freaking out in a sense of, like, man, like, do we keep going? It's getting Because the, the, the higher we climb to, the windier it's getting. Yeah. And we're like, man. And even to, just to get on the south side of the mountain, we're, it's still a haul. It's still yeah, a hike to get a half, all the way. quarter mile to a half mile, at least straight up stuff. To get on the back side of the mountain, absolutely. So as we're kind of sitting there debating what to do, we look down uh, below us. And way down below, several hundred feet, we see this meadow. And it ha- happens to have a wallow in it. And we're like, yo, like, that's cool. Maybe we should head down there tonight, finish out the evening, hunt over the wallow. So um, we quickly decided, hey, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. So we, we bailed down this mountain, work our way down it. I fell a few times. Yeah. <laughs> just like, just straight eating It was earth. rough. It was really rough. But we wanted to get down there quick. And we got down to the meadow, and we noticed that there was this cabin type of structure. And so uh, first we checked out the wallow, and then we went to the cabin. And this cabin is, it's nothing fancy. It's its not like, don't think like Gatlinburg cabins or anything like that. I think I mean, of like Lincoln Logs. Lincoln Anybody Logs. Lincoln Logs in yeah. about maybe five and a half feet high. Like, it, yes. like we couldn't stand up in it. Yep. There's no door. There's no door. And most of the roof, there's like gaps, gaps. like yeah. one foot gaps. And like the whole right side, there's not hard. Like this is an old, old like cat, like yeah. just structure. So we went in there, made sure it was, it was safe as far as the structure and everything. And. 
Um, so we were like, you know what? First night in the back country, let's sleep here. Uh, we can kind of clean it out. And uh, yeah, so that's where we decided to, to set up shop. But we only had about probably 30 minutes of daylight left. And we're like, you know what? Let's sit over this wallow. So we went behind this big boulder, uh, kind of acted as our blind. Long story short, uh, night fell, got cold, no elk showed up. So we go to the cabin and we set up our, what do you call it, the tent tops? Uh, like tent flies. covers, yeah, rain flies. Rain yeah. flies. It's supposed to rain that night. Yeah. It's starting to sprinkle. Yes, and it was. Um, so we set those up inside, kind of in a corner, and to shield us from the rain. We, I remember we, we ate there. We used the creek that was flowing through there to refill our water. Which I had never really, I'd never done that. I've never, I slept in the backcountry one time before this, and it was... Yeah. not a good experience i was not prepared it's so. also such a process i didn't realize how long it takes to actually filter water yeah we were using like sawyer squeezes and it just it takes a lot of squeezing and a, not i mean it's not quick it it's takes not, a long time yeah. to fill up your your water stuff it takes so. forever just to get a little bit of clean water but we hung our bag uh of food up in yep. the tree about 100 yards from camp case of grizzly bears yep. um and then uh we ended up barricading the door right because <laughs> To give us now, if a grizzly bear wanted to get in, oh yeah, he easily would have pushed through all that stuff and just like ate. But it us gave up. us a chance. I yes. felt like like we at least got a chance to get our guns or bear spray. Probably use a gun in that situation. Oh, a gun for sure. And it just gave us maybe security or or a false sense of security. <laughs> but it was better than nothing. Yeah. So we barricaded that thing. Bar- and barricade. Bear. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> barricaded. Sorry, bad joke. And we got some. We got some rest that night. Um, I think we were just so dog dead tired that we were able to actually fall asleep. Now, yeah. it was a lot of waking up, tossing and turning, adjusting the sleeping bags and all this stuff, but we, we made it work. Yeah, we did. And it was, to me, it was like, there's just something neat. Like, we're sleeping in a cabin. Now, my wife, I told her this, and she told her friends, and they're freaking out, thinking like some mountain man's going to come back to his cat. It Like, guys, there was nothing inside. It was a dirt floor. Yeah. There was like stumps for seats. Yeah. And there's like this little tiny like bench area up at the top where we could fit both of our uh, sleeping pads, and we slept feet to feet basically. Yep. And I slid down at one point, like because the the my rain fly didn't it wasn't blocking all the rain. Rain was getting on my face. And yep, same. But anyway, that was uh, day one. Yep. Uh, did four miles. Definitely didn't take it easy, and ended up in like a pickle. But it just all of a sudden we looked down, and there's this oh, you know, there's this moment where there's this this you know meadow and so that was kind of cool yeah so day two i'm the shooter so yep um day two i start off we woke up and did our breakfast stuff and i uh, went and got the you were still sleeping just kind of recovering yeah, i was and tired i was like i was just itching like i want to go like, I, and i kept on peeking out the window uh, not window like this little gap in the wood just to make sure i thought maybe we could just get lucky and like i've heard those stories about guys waking up and there's an elk outside their tent and they shoot it um i was so i kept on like peeking out making sure there weren't any elk at that wallow but that wallow didn't seem it wasn't like fresh yeah they hadn't been using it very much at all recently so we did breakfast pack up um or th- i mean i don't know how much i think i was packing 30 35 pounds on my back it was a lot of weight like it was it was heavy to carry camp on our backs we didn't have like the most super lightweight gear of all time either but uh we go up over this ridge and we're going <sighs> I had written on Onyx, I used Onyx, I had kind of drew this map of these areas where I thought we could get in some north-facing areas, 
maybe some places that had a little bit of water, which I didn't know. I guess I didn't realize at that point how significant that was till this day. And so on day two, you know, we're, we're starting this death hike as I had basically labeled it. And this, you know, once again, it was kind of crazy to do this on day one and day two. Be, yeah. But we just wanted to be there. And once again, like that guy from the, the ranch hand, like he had me convinced, man, we're going to find elk up in there. He said, you always find elk. And we might not even have been in the right spot, but... We go up to this ridge, and we're calling as we go, ripping bugles here and there. And at this one spot, we stop, and we rip a bugle. And down and below us, we're just kind of sitting there. Like, we had, we ripped a couple of nothing, and then, like, a couple minutes later, all of a sudden, we hear a bull go off, and then another, like, a satellite bull goes off. And those two go back and forth, and all of a sudden, I'm like, it's, it's game on. Yes. Like... This is the moment, like, I didn't have very many of these moments on my last trip, and it's happening right now, day two, first thing in the morning. Like, I I was just jacked. And so, for me, I was like, we have, everything I've read and read, listened to in podcasts and everything like that says, get within 100 yards of him, cow call, and if he fires off, challenge him, and he should come in. You know, get, like, that's the situation you're you're wanting, that, that fired up bull. And I'm thinking we can do that, but we've got to get to him. I look at Onyx briefly, but I don't look at it real detailed, and I thought we could just bail off the side of that mountain, like, super quick. Yeah, and we're we're up pretty high at this point, kind of, I think we're like 800 yeah. feet, 800 feet above them, like, they're way down in there, yeah. but as far as distance goes, they're not really that far, no. it's just they're way below us, so we start going down, and we hit some rocks a little bit, and then a little bit further down, all of a sudden, we hit super steep like the steepest stuff we've been on, yeah, and the super like that we would be on, like the entire trip, like it was nasty, and we got down to this spot where it's just like we could, we're just inching down, like sliding on our butts, grabbing roots, grab like rocks kicking in below us. Yeah, and I was thinking, like Travis, I think we should, I think we should follow, we should side hill this, get to this bench, and then drop down. Where it'd be a lot less steeper. Yeah. But Travis is like, no, like we gotta go, we gotta go down. Yeah. And there was one point where I was, I was so unsure, because I mean we're looking at cliffs and that's what we're trying to go down. And I'm, I'm honestly nervous. I'm really nervous, and I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure? And so Travis is like, let me go down first, <laughs> and then I'll give turn around and give you a thumbs up. So I'm like, like oh. if, if it's clear from there, yeah. Like, I, we didn't want to hit like an actual cliff and then both of us be stuck down there. Yes. So, so Travis slowly works his way down, and rocks are tumbling as he's sliding down these cliffs, and then he goes around this bend <laughs> and this big boulder rock, and then I'm like, okay, I'm watching and watching, listening, listening. Can't see me I can't see him. And next thing you know, there's just big just tumbling noise just like just echoes through the valley and i'm like holy crap travis just fell off a cliff he just fell off a cliff and i gotta tell his wife why i let him go down off the cliff and it's all my fault because i let him do that yeah and uh it was just a rock i was yeah i went down through there and the rock slipped and it was guys this was hairy i should have in colorado like and a lot of this is based off my previous experiences colorado it just seemed like there were some places like that, but not as much rocks. Like so many rocks in Montana. Like we do in different kinds of rocks, gravelly rocks, big rocks, I mean shale rocks, just everything. And so I to me, let's get to those bulls as quickly yeah. as what we possibly can before something goes wrong, before the satellite chases off the herd bull or whatever, let's bail in. 
And so I just threw caution to the wind, and then all of a sudden we ended up in this pickle. It took us probably an hour to get down. Yes. By the time we get down there, they're no longer bugling. And we get down to this spot, and all of a sudden we are now in the best sign that we'd seen up to that point. And we see a wallow. Fresh. Like fresh, like elk have been stepping in this thing, using it. And we see rubs, and there's elk, fresh elk poop. Like they're, they're around there. So I think we set up to do some calling. Yeah, we, we tried- did a like breeding sequence type deal. Yeah. Um, nothing happened. Nothing came out of that. Yeah. And I, um, I think the wind was, honestly, I well, think two things. I think the wind wasn't great when we got down there. And two, that satellite bull seemed to be kind of pushing. You said that you thought that that sat, the herd bull seemed to be getting a little bit further yeah, away. Yeah, so the, the satellite bull was working his way down to the herd bull. He probably had a bunch of cows and stuff. And then that herd bull sounded like he was getting further and further and further away from us. So it seemed like that satellite bull pushed pushed off the herd bull. Yeah. Um for sure. So, um, so we were excited. We heard a bugle on day two. Day two, we're up in this spot, um, and and part of this too is uh, I need to back up something we didn't mention. The spots that we're looking at, a lot of the spots that we're looking at on Onyx, are spots that were handed to me by a guy who's been there before. Our friend Jeremiah, he lives back home, local guy. Yeah. Uh, Jeremiah's been awesome. Uh, absolutely awesome. Jeremiah's been there twice. Um, and I started asking him questions. He's like, dude, I'd be more than happy to tell you what, what we found. So I went, I had lunch with Jeremiah a couple of times, uh, half the gear. I, he let me borrow some really nice gear, like an Exo mountain pack, which is amazing. Like the trip would have been so much worse without that. Um, but Jeremiah gave us some spots. Um, I don't know that this was really one of them. This was one of those where we just kind of, yeah, this is off the ranch. Yeah. Ranch just guy. off the ranch yeah. guy. And so, uh, Anyhow, um, that was that was pretty much day one or day two. We we hiked our way out of there, got some showers, got refreshment, and then we decided if we get out by a certain time, we can head over to that burn yeah. on day two, and we can go like get some little bit of sleep. And at four a.m., our plan was to go up that burn with the truck, which I talked to uh, some sort of biologist or I think a person at Fish and Game. Uh, told me that you could go up into that spot by truck. Yep. So our game plan was to go up in by truck, get up at 4 a.m. and go road bugling. Just go up every few, you know, quarter mile. It's about seven miles out to the Continental Divide, and then you can go north on this burn. Elk love two-year-old burns. Uh, like it's a lot of good growth. That was our game plan. Was can this? You, can you explain to our listeners what a burn actually is? Okay, so basically a mountain. For whatever reason, mountains catch on fire for various reasons, and uh, they can just be huge. And this one was like it's like seriously seven miles long, five miles high. Uh, hold on a second, Matt. You need to go. Oh, yeah, yeah I got, it. got it. I yep. um, Sorry, navigating. But anyway, yeah. So a burn, you know, they come, they put it out. It's a big ordeal. That's where some of the smoke was this year. But then on on your maps, it marks the burns in what year, and that matters because within two two to three years, a burn can be really, really good producer of food. Like the green comes up and elk love it, from what I've heard. Never hunted one before. So we were excited to go over to the burn. It took about 45 minutes to just get to the access, maybe a half hour, not too bad. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that ended up being crazy. Yeah, um, so we go through a gate or two and uh because there's there's cattle there's horses through these fields that we have to drive through 
and I think tra yeah, Travis is driving. We're getting back there, and the road itself that's marked on Onyx is not very clear yeah. when you're actually there. Like, it's this road is not driven much at all. I would, which excited me. I was like, shoot, yeah. we might get back here. I thought there'd be a ton of pressure, and I'm we can barely faintly see, like, tire tracks through this open field. And, and so we're going through, like, creeks and, like, all this stuff, and there's tall grass and a bunch of sage. And I have to keep getting out to help navigate the truck through uh, these fields because there's a lot of divots and holes and things like that that you can't really see when you're in the driver's seat. So we keep going, keep going. Um, there's a few parts where I've got to get out and help again, like navigate Travis through and rocks and rocks and like the sagebrush was growing up through the middle part of the track. And so underneath the truck was just like taking a beating from the sage and all that. And then we get to a point where the road itself is kind of running out and it doesn't look like the terrain is getting any better for a truck. Yeah. And right about that point or a little bit before, we look up and we see these horses coming across the open plain. Um, and they look like wild horses. They had a brand, but I mean, we're definitely in like the West. Like, yes. And it still acts as the West. Like we were on an active ranch, cattle ranches everywhere. They own the base of the mountain. And so these horses just come up and they surround our truck and lead, like stallion, like is yeah. sticking his head like inside the tr the tailgate, like inside the bed your bed. Of the truck. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a, kind of afraid he's gonna kick your truck or show yeah. like he's almost showing like aggressive action. So we honk the horn and then all of a sudden we look ahead like two minutes after we honk the horn and like a bunch of elk come running out of the it's mountain. Be like twenty elk. A bull and like four cows. Two two bulls. Two bulls, yes. Come running out of the mountain. But at that point, we started driving, and, and we just realized we're not going to get any further. Yeah. Like, we have hit a spot where, and we are about a mile from where the burn even begins. And at that point, I started talking to you, and I thought, well, we, we could maybe just, we got two choices. Either go back and call it a scrap this idea, or we can hike in a mile. And we elected to... To go back to the cabin. Yeah. The thing is, is I just, like... Man, we're, we're a mile or so from where we even need to be. We're unfamiliar with the terrain. And if we set up tents, I'm like, there's no telling what these stallions are going to do. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna come back. They're going to investigate us. Uh, I don't want their heads sticking through my tent or getting <laughs> trampled at night. And I told Travis, I'm like, man, we just need to go back. We need to regroup, get some good rest, and figure out a game plan for tomorrow. So that's what we did. Which... And, uh... I'm glad we did because it leads to day, day three. three. Yeah, day three. This is so very exciting. I'll day. set you up and then you t you take yeah. it over. So day three, we decide that there's a spot where Jeremiah has marked on a map, and he said if there's not somebody camping at this spot, it's a spot where they had had success and killed a bull. It's this real high peak, you know, and so we didn't get a chance to go the night before or anything like that. So we go in that morning. And we're driving in, and as we're driving in, sure enough, there's a dude there with like a giant trailer, big truck. He's obviously got this spot claimed, and so there's nothing we can do about it. So we're like, I look on my maps, and I thought that the road ended just a little ways around the corner, but it didn't. I was like, well, Matt, just keep driving. So you just kept driving, and the sun's starting to rise a little bit. Like, we got it in plenty of early. We had time. We even had time to get out and rip a bugle, but didn't hear anything in the dark. 
and we keep driving and there is a point where basically we come to like a little parking spot and there's two uh, uh, spots where you could take like a four-wheeler or like a side-by-side down but we didn't want to take your truck up this road because it was way too rocky yeah and so like well let's just hike up this road it looks like there's maybe some north-facing ridges on our map like it's not a spot that Jeremiah had marked, and we're like, let's just go and look and see what we find. It was just kind of winging it type deal. And uh, it led us up to a spot, so Matt, go ahead and take it from there. Yeah, so um, we see on this ridge top, that's kind of flat spot, we see, a, I think, a mule deer, um, which is kind of cool. It's like a yearling, and so it's it was the, the muley was the direction we were going to head anyway, so we get up there, and... Uh, we look down and we see probably what like 13, 13 or so muleys we're kind of skylined at this yeah point, we're right? skylined i'm like it's not long till they see us so 30 seconds later one of them looks up sees us and they bolt at this point the light's kind of really coming up so we're like you know what let's sit down over this ridge so we're not skyline and let's do some let's do some scouting glassing yeah yeah or a glassing and so um so we're sitting there, and I'm doing like I'm filming on my phone just for the Instagram stories that I'll be posting later uh, when I get back home. And Travis is glassing up the the ridge side, and there's a north facing ridge which is filled with trees and deadfall and brush, and then on the south facing ridge it's just wide open, like grass and things like that. So uh, as I'm as I'm talking to the camera, Travis is like, "Yo, I see elk." Before that. We heard one, right? Yes. Yes. So we're sitting there, and we're watching these mule deer bust out of this spot, and they're running up the mountain. And there was a buck and a couple bucks, so that was cool to see that. Don't have a mule deer tag. We didn't get, like, we could have, but we didn't We didn't try to get that. Uh, just wanted to focus on elk. But we hear a bugle, and I'm like, I'm jacked. Because yes. I'm like, we have now, two days in a row, heard a bugle. And it's just in this, it's in this north-facing slope someplace right in front of us. I wasn't entirely sure exactly where it was. And then I think I even heard, oh, speaking of, there's a mule deer right there. Yeah, yeah, right off the side of the road. Look at that. Big old doe. Uh, but, yeah, we I heard a bugle further down on the next north-facing ridge, too. So there's basically three giant ridges going up, one right after the other. Of course, there's a lot of distance between the two of them. Um, but I hear that bugle. And then, yeah, then all of a sudden I'm glassing these mule deer running away. And I look up, and I see elk. And, uh, yeah, so he sees elk, and he points me to where they're at. Kind of struggle finding them. And I was looking at them pretty much the whole time. I just thought it was a rock. Like, I thought they were rocks. Because that sun is up behind us. It's beating on that hillside. And sometimes rocks will stick out. Uh, but then I'm like, wait, these rocks are moving. Wait, those are <laughs> actually elk. And so uh, we were jacked. And so uh, we... We watched these elk for probably 20 minutes slowly work their way into the north-facing drainage. So into the cover, the thickness, the deadfall, and all that. And I'm like, we, and Travis and I knew it wouldn't be long that they would be heading to bed. And we believe we spotted one bull out of the group. But again, they're super far away. And uh, so from that point, we're like, well, how are we going to do this? Yeah, and I mean... Looking through our binos, I mean, we were guessing, like, like how far do you think they are? And we're like 400, maybe 500 yards up the canyon. Like, you can see them with your naked eye. 
but I mean, it was they're off ways. I used Onyx and I drew a line from our spot to where we saw them go in. It was three quarters of a mile. Like I've been on two other elk trips, and I'm always just like blown away with how much further things yes. are and look. Like yes, just like so far away. And so we make a game plan that as basically you have to deal with thermals in the mountain if you're not familiar in the morning the the cool air is sucking the wind down the mountain now you might have a prevailing wind that pushes it a little bit you know to the west or east or whatever way you know but for the most part it's sucking down the mountain um but as the sun starts to hit the side of that mountain about sometimes 8 30 maybe 9 10 o'clock by that point the thermals start to rise we realized we've got a three-quarter of a mile hike, and we they're w- least on the upper third yes. of the mountain going in. So we're like, we got to get above them. And so we there is this access road that um, a side by side could get up, but we didn't have a side by side. You'll discover this as we go along. It would have been helpful maybe to have a side by side, but then again, we went up, might have blown those elk out of there. But we we start hiking and felt like we were in pretty good shape overall like i could recover quick yeah but just at that altitude even at this is day three still sucking wind we yeah. still have to take a lot of breaks um it probably took us about an hour i'd say to get up there so for sure um, and it, i mean it was steep yeah it was steep for sure but it was one of those things that we knew we could take our time because we needed those thermals to shift to start pushing our scent up the mountain yeah. Because by the time we get around and on top of those elk in their beds, we need that scent going away from them up the mountain if they're down below us. Right. So we finally work our way all the way up and all the way across and all the way on top of them. Um, and we step in like yeah. we're not in maybe 30 to 70 yards. And all of a sudden we get like the wind's coming up into our nose and we smell elk. Yes. And people have talked about this before. I don't know on my last trip if I ever really got that, even though I was in an elk bed. I, for some reason, that one didn't stink as much. But all of a sudden, we got a strong odor, like yeah. something's in below us. Oh, like, for sure. 100%. And um, the best way I could describe what an elk smells like, they kind of smell like a horse. If you've ever been around a horse, like barn, they've got this musty kind of grimy smell to them yeah and that's exactly what hit our face and we knew immediately like boom like these elk are down below us and we were walking as the further we went down the more fresh sign we were getting into so fresh rubs and beds and fresh poop and we're like okay like they can't be too far in here no the elk aren't bugling like they haven't like gone on to like a crazy rut fest we heard that one bugle nothing since and so what we had heard um and what I experienced on my last trip was this strategy called a slow, slow play breeding sequence. Um, in fact, we end up using it a lot. Uh, it's you locate, you think you're within 200 yards of an elk. Uh, one guy steps back as the caller, and that was me on day three. So I step back, and I try and put Matt over the ridge so that the elk basically, I'm trying to call it up to Matt so he can get a shot, and I want to stay back out of view. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to blow a couple of cow calls two minutes apart. And then I'm going to insert the bull, um, giving like a little, like half-hearted, like a little moany bugle, and then start raking, and then you start heavy pants, and then you start uh, glunking, which is a weird noise. Um, and these are all noises that a bull elk will make whenever a cow is coming into estrus. And in fact, it's from what I've been told, it's the only way that you know 
that that cow is in heat. Her, she doesn't make any vocalizations that make you think that she's in heat. It's the bulls and the sounds they make. And that can cause other bulls to be interested that are nearby. And so they got to come smell, they got to come check it out. So I start doing that sequence um, and trying to ham it up. And Matt and I have some signals. And I look ahead, and Matt, I'm going to turn it back over to you. Yep. Matt gives me a signal at a certain point. Yeah, so the idea is that Travis is probably about 50 yards behind me because he's making the calling, he's making the noise, and we want the elk to be focused on Travis. We want the elk to be focused, or the bull to be focused on where this sound is coming from. So I'm, I'm 50 yards down the hill from Travis, uh, right in front of him. So he can kind of see me down through the tree limbs and things like that. And um, it wasn't five minutes into the sequence. And the sequence normally takes, if done right, about 15 minutes. So it was about five minutes into the sequence. I looked down in front of me. Well, I first heard like a like a twig or uh, like a old dead branch like snap. And I'm like, okay, what was that? And I looked down below me and all I can see is just big brown kind of grayish fur like elk like a big mass of an animal moving from my right to left and so I I caught his movement and then I, he, I see him again and then I see one side of his rack and I'm like holy crap that's a bull <laughs> and so I look back up at Travis and I throw a hand signal which means bull means like male elk and so at this point, my heart's like, do, 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 do. Like, this is it, right? Like, it's day what, three? Day three. Day three, and I'm about to kill this elk. And, I'm, and I keep telling myself, stay calm, stay calm. Wait for a good shot. Don't force it. Don't rush it. Like, just, just stay calm. And so I'm kind of waiting for this elk to come up. Like, he's, he's on his way, and I've got a shooting path off to my left, and I've got a couple lanes off to my right. And I'm like, he's going to come up any moment. And a couple minutes goes by, and I'm like, where is this thing? And so, again, I, I can only see bits and pieces of this bull as it was working for my rights. It's very thick down in there. Um, and so I had these kind of falling down logs in front of me. And um, looking back, I probably should have been on the other side of those. But and, and so a thought came through my head. I'm like, you know what? What if he's just to the left and he's hung up? And uh, I just, for whatever reason, can't see the elk. And so this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a few steps to the right just so I can get a better angle and look down, look down the hill uh, to potentially see this elk. So I slowly, as slowly and quietly as I can, move to my right. I mean, we're talking about maybe two steps. I make a little bit of noise make a little bit of movement and it was about probably five to six seconds after that all of a sudden this elk just bolt just bolts just bust out of there making all types of ruckus and i knew like in that moment for those of you who hunt white tails back in the east like you know that moment where you just messed it up and it's that sinking deep pitted feeling that just falls upon you right and it, there's there's no chance you're going to get that back and that that feeling just crept over me and I'm like I just messed this whole thing up and because I've seen on YouTube and and on TV shows where people move a lot when this bull's coming in to get a shot angle on this bull yeah um but I think my mistake there looking back was this bull even though it was coming to the call 
this bull was not as fired up. He came in quiet. He was nervous. He wanted, probably wanted to see Travis or see the bull or see what was going on before he fully committed. Most likely a satellite bull. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, and um, talking to another another hunter about the situation, they're like, you know what, that very well could have been a satellite bull. Because it, my guess, I couldn't see the whole rack, but I believe it was probably at least a 5x5. Five five. So definitely a legal bull. Definitely would have been a great first bull. Um, and if it's a satellite bull coming in, sometimes they are more so on the timid side because they don't want to get the snot beaten out of them by the herd bull. Right. right? And so if this if this uh, satellite bull thinks that, who is Travis in this case, is the herd bull that's breeding... Uh, he doesn't want you know there to be much trouble, and so I think he wanted to kind of investigate and see what was going on before that bull fully committed up to where Travis was at. Therefore, me getting an actual shot, yeah. and and so I could kind of see. So that that bull bolted. I can kind of see movement down lower, probably 50, 60 yards, but it's so brushy, it's kind of hard to tell. Is that another elk down there? Is it uh, another animal? Is it birds? Is it something? So I, I messaged or I do a signal to Travis, hey, keep going, keep going. About five minutes later, I'm like, okay, like I think we're done. So I work my way back up to Travis, and Travis comes down to me. <laughs> Travis is fired up. Well, just like, all I know is I look down. I'm videoing Matt at this point. Like I'm trying to do more video this time, but I don't want it to cost us anything. But I'm like, I'm back behind like a log, and I'm. I'm able to kind of like video Matt. In fact, I realized with my video camera, I could actually keep it on Matt and I could see his signals better. So at one point, like I'm calling and seriously, five minutes, all of a sudden he throw, flashes me the, the bull sign. I'm like, holy cow. I just, yeah. holy cow. Yeah, I called in, I'm calling in a bull. Like I'm, I'm jacked about this. And so I, I'm hamming it up and I'm doing the best calling sequence that I could, I could think to do and doing everything. At one point, I looked down at Matt, and he gives me the bull sign, but he looks like he's disappointed. I'm like, what the heck? But then he told me to keep calling. Yeah. So I just keep rolling, and then I bowled up the mountain thinking maybe the bull's hung up. So I went up like another 15, 20, maybe 30 yards, and I, I start, I'm trying to pull the bull up toward me. And this entire time, I didn't realize that the bull had already bolted. Like, it yeah. was already over. I just didn't know. Yeah. So and I come back down, and you give me the story, and it's just like, you're in, like, like lowest of lows, like disappointed because you feel like you messed it up. I'm in. Holy cow! I called in a bull yeah. to 35 Five yards. yards. Yes. Like, like we were we were there, and so I was trying to encourage it because I'm like, dude, you saw a bull. I've been on these trips. This now makes my third trip, and I have not seen like other than like on like little private pieces, which I don't count in the woods. I've never seen a bull, and on your day three, you've got a bull at 35, 35 steps. Yes. You know. Yeah, and I like it's first time elk hunting. And I know enough to know that it's super, super hard to go out on public land and kill a bull, yeah. right? And so I was really disappointed in myself. Like, I, I messed that up. And, I mean, great. Like, you called in a bull. That was exciting. And I was very thankful for that opportunity. I'm like, I just know we don't – we probably won't get as many opportunities like that again, yeah. right? Um, for, we need to unpack that a little bit just for the listener. Like, we're on – so we had to draw this tag, um, but it's a general unit tag. A person in Montana can go and basically buy this tag at Walmart, just like anybody else. Uh, but as a non-resident, we have to draw it. They've issued, I think, 17,000 non-resident tags. But we're still hunting basically, like, I won't say over the counter because we did have to draw it, but we're, we're hunting public land. We're not on, like, draw unit 
like what you would typically think of. We put in for one of those just trying to get lucky. We didn't get it. Like we're on just like general. It's basically the OTC version for Montana. Yes. So I just want to throw that out there. Like it, it's while we did have to draw the tag, I will not consider this to be like a draw unit type of thing. Yeah. Um, so anyway, yeah, so, that felt good to call it in, but yeah. also at the same time, we yeah. missed an opportunity. For sure. So, but I mean, it's moments like this where you really like learn and grow. And, you know, I, I messed up on a, a lot of mature bucks before I killed my very first one with a bow, right? Um, but in this case, it's just a very hard pill to swallow. And it, I rolled the dice. I thought I could, uh, you know, maybe get a better angle on this bull and end up, you know, spooking it type deal. So, uh, so after that, we go get lunch. We climb up on the ridge top. We eat lunch, and as we're sitting there, uh, we hear another bull fire off on the next uh, north-facing ridge over. Yeah, and, and we, we yeah. look at it and realize that. Once again, we can't just bail in and dive up the other side. And we don't know exactly where he's at. It's a little windy, picking up. And we think, okay, um, it's a mile. If we go a mile up this ridge, we can basically cross over, keep our topo lines, which is super huge. Like, if you don't know much about topo lines, if you stay on the exact same topo line you are on, you don't lose elevation, meaning you don't have to climb back up to a spot you've already been as far as height is concerned. So keeping that line going clear up through the mountain and coming back down was important instead of just bailing into the canyon and then trying to climb a thousand vertical feet. Yeah. Um, so we decided, let's, all right, we're going to do this. We're, it's going to be a long hike, but let's go get this sucker. And then all of a sudden, we look off to the south where Idaho's at, and there's just a big wall of clouds coming towards us. Um, and I remember you actually had to use your Garmin inReach to message your wife to check the weather for us because we didn't have signal we didn't have cell service and she said it should be storming for the rest of the evening yeah and so we made the call you know like you know what we don't have our oh we forgot our rain gear that day just a messed up like mistake so look at the forecast yep and it had to be fair it hadn't rained a whole lot in montana prior to us coming yeah so and so we we made the call let's go back to the truck let's back out Let's leave that bull for another day. Let's not spook it up. The last thing we wanted was to be several miles back, and we're hiking back to the truck in freezing cold rain up there in Montana. And uh, it just made things miserable. So we get into day four. Um, Day four, uh, we decided to go check out a spot that uh, Jeremiah had talked about. And it's a spot where they had killed a couple bulls, got into a rut fest kind of deal. And uh, we, I think we were pretty tired coming in uh, from day three a little bit. And then talking to Jeremiah, he kind of got me excited about this spot. I didn't really understand the appeal to it. And uh, so he was kind of helping us a little bit. And you can either drive two-thirds up the mountain or come to this creek and walk up the creek. We thought, well, if we can drive two-thirds, up, two-thirds of the way up the mountain, that's better than what we've been doing. We've been starting at the bottom and going up, killing ourselves. And we just felt like our legs were kind of rough. So... We ended up driving two-thirds of the way up kind of the mountains, parked at this spot, walked in, walked in. The hike wasn't too bad, and there's a spot off to the right, like on a south-facing ridge, where you can basically, from a vantage point, look down into what's kind of like a box canyon. Just picture like this, like kind of like a horseshoe-type deal, like a big, and there's like north-facing, and it kind of goes in the northwest, and then the north, and the northeast-facing, and then, you know, 
it's just a really neat spot. Um, a lot of potential, and then on top is the Continental Divide. So we're like, let's let's just glass from here. But it's super windy. Um, yeah, I remember that morning. It's windy, cold, overcast. Yeah, and we're trying to trying to glass down in those those north facing ridges. And you bugled twice. You're the caller that yeah. day. You bugled twice. Didn't hear anything. But finally, like the wind was about. To like, I just sensed, I was like, I think the wind's about to do one of these quick pauses and it'll pick back up in a second. And I'm like, bugle now. And you ripped a bugle and we get a response. Yes. And wasn't sure exactly where it was. Um, and so we, well, actually, I think we, we felt like it was out in front of us, just on the hill, not too far in front of us, mm-hmm. which it may have been. Um, so we're like, let's go in. The thermals are dropping and... If they're dropping, that's okay if, we, if we're on the same level as the bull. So we start pushing in, and we get in 30 yards, and all of a sudden those thermals, like, it did something different on that side of the mountain. Like, yes. it starts sucking toward the bull, and we're like, whoa, 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 we've got to back out. Yeah. And, like, we just couldn't, you cannot fool an elk's nose. And so we backed out, and we started going up the back side of the mountain because it was more, like, south-facing, and the thermals were good. They were pushing down to our left like yep. we needed them to. This bull's over the hill. So we get on top, and we try and call, um, and not getting much luck at all. Um, so we end up just kind of le- like that bull. We can't find him. We hike up to the mountain. We did. You did a slow play uh, sequence, yeah. but it felt like we were in wide open area. Good sign, yeah, but just great, great sign. Just nothing, nothing doing there. Yeah. So we go out a ways, um, get into this other north facing spot. And I had marked a spot on Onyx, like Jeremiah gave us these spots, but I kind of did my own e-scouting to each spot. And I had marked this spot down on a far bench and I thought that that could be a spot where we'd want to go. So we, you kept on saying, I think they're lower. I think they're lower. Like yeah. in this wind, they're going to be lower. lower. Yep. So we start going down. I think we did another slow play maybe. Did we do it? We, no, we just did, one. We just did the just one. Did That's one. what you're talking yep. about. Okay, good. Now I remember. We drop down and we're just kind of chilling there. Uh, Rip two location bugles though, right? Yep. And then waiting there like two or three minutes and all of a sudden he sounds off. Yep. And then another one sounds off. Yep. And I'm like, it's on. But this time we look at our Onyx a little bit, trying to figure out where they're at. And it was really hard to kind of figure that out. Um, but basically this, this canyon drops down into a creek and so we start kind of going down, and this bull, it seems like another situation where there's a herd bull, potentially, he's acting defensive, yep. like, probably has a hot cow or has cows, and then the satellite's going after him, and it seems like they're getting further away, right? Yes. Yep. And so we're dropping, 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 and at a certain point, uh, we decide we have to drop into this little uh, crevice, come up the other side of this hill, which was mad hard. Like, and we dropped like how many feet? Several, oh, probably several hundred feet. Yeah, eight. I'd say eight hundred. Probably eight hundred feet, feet to a thousand, maybe. Yeah. I mean, we we dive down into this bottom where we think these elk are at, um, and we think he's up and around this knob. So we, when we get down to the bottom, we have to bell up to the other side. So. We take another probably 20 minutes to go straight up this this mountainside, trying to get on their level. We get up on this knob uh, where it kind of flattens out, and we're just sitting there. And I, did we rip a location bugle, or did they just go off? Uh, I think they went off a couple times by themselves, yes. a little bit, and then we started ripping locations, and he would he would challenge back. Yes. 
So he was he was getting pretty hot. Uh, after a while, we think the satellite bull he just kind of shut up, but the herd bull was still around. Yeah. And we end up on this bench, and on this bench is a lot of great sign, a lot of rubs. Which is right below where I marked on Onyx. Which, which is, and I don't mean to say that. I told Matt this, like I hope it don't sound braggy, but for me, I consider myself a rookie. I don't read topo super well when I'm out there, but e scouting, something I'm learning how to do. I actually did pretty well overall, marking some spots where I thought elk could be. In in a general sense, I was close. In the I was in the ball game, so that felt good, uh, validating in some ways. Like, hey, I'm learning this a little bit better. Um, so anyway, this bull is bugling, and now he's out in front of us, um, and we've just killed ourselves getting up on this flat, and we start dropping off this hill, and we're dropping off. And at this, I think this is the first point I have an arrow knock because I yes. feel like he's just going to be down here in front of us, in the bottom, in this bottom, not too far. And we keep going flat by flat, dropping off, dropping off, and finally we get down to this spot. And I tell Matt to rip a bugle, and this bull, we look, and there's this meadow, a meadowy creek, I guess you say, like a real yellow creek going down through the middle of this canyon. And Matt rips a bugle, and this bull fires off. And it sounds like he's just down to the far end of it and to the right. That's what it sounds like to me. So maybe within 300, maybe 200 yards is what I'm thinking. And at this point, I don't know what what else to do other than just to keep trying to be aggressive and go at him. I didn't figure he was going to come up. Um, and so I thought, I just we just need to keep pushing. So in my mind, I was like, let's just drop down into this canyon. And I'll just work my way along. And get up to this corner, and maybe I'll be able to see him. And then Matt will rip a bugle. He'll bugle, and Matt will challenge him, and he'll come around the corner, and I'll shoot him. That's what's in my head because I've seen it in YouTube videos, right? But before before that, um, this bull rips the nastiest, most aggressive yeah. bugle that I've. I mean, I think that was the most aggressive one we've heard, right? Yeah, it was. He was gnarly. He was firing back saying, stay Just away. stay the frick away. And so that tells us, oh, we're coming to him, right? Yeah. We're going to run to him. So we try to go down. And as we're heading down, the thermals are still coming up. And we keep checking, keep checking. The therm- wind's still great. Wind's still great. Wind's still great. There's a little meadow down there. And Travis is like, okay, if we can just get to the corner of that meadow, uh, and we think he's just around the bend there, uh, I'll, I'll – you know, rip a location or a challenge, get him fired up. I'll come over top. This bull will come, come charging in. But the thing is, as we get down lower and lower and lower, there's a creek, a big flowing creek in that bottom. And the wind was fine. Wind was good. Wind was good. But as we started to approach the creek, we started to notice the wind itself started to actually go down towards yeah. where these elk are at. I'm halfway down there. I look back. Matt's back. And every time Matt had bugled, that that bull had challenged yes. like three times in a row. We get down into the creek, and I'm about 75 yards in front of Matt. I get up to this corner, and I open up my little puffer windicator, and all of a sudden I realize, oh no, my scent is blowing right down this canyon. Yes. Like it's no longer going up. So I actually did a no-no. I got into the sunlight, like on the left side of this creek, south facing. You shouldn't be in sunlight. It's a terrible spot to be. You need to be in the shadows. They can see you. But I'm like, I got to try and get the thermals going up. And at this point, guys, I'm just hoping. I'm like, 
and I peek around the corner, and Matt blows a bugle. I don't see anything down another lane, a good, like, 100 yards. Matt throws a bugle, and this time, nothing. And we go a little bit further, and it's just like this reality says, and we had, we had tra- trailed this bull for three miles. Yeah. Going up and down ridges, him bugling, dealing with satellite. It would probably been a two-hour process. And then in that moment, I'm like, dude, you just screwed it up. You you just dropped into a creek bottom. And you know, I know from hunting deer, that the creek, whatever way the creek's flowing, that cool water will suck thermals. Uh, that's how Travis Shire killed his giant buck a few years ago. Like, I know that. But I was just, I didn't know what else to do. And I knew, like, everybody says, be aggressive, be aggressive. But being aggressive and being stupid is a fine line. And I crossed it. Um, sure. And it's, the the it's, only thing we could have done was there was a hillside, a north-facing hillside to the right. In fact, the one that we started on, um, we could have bailed up it, but it was wicked steep, super deadfall. That's what we should have done. That was our only chance to get that bull. He was in a position where he could smell everything coming down that canyon. He yeah. could see everything coming up that canyon. He was in a defensive position on purpose. And he had our card, and he knew it. And and we got down there. He was gone. And it's just like I went from highest to highest, chasing a bugle to like all of a sudden I'm like, now I've messed up. I've made this choice to bail in here. And, it, you know, this bull's he's gone. I have no idea where he's at. So we stop, grab lunch, refill. We're at a creek. And we realize the only way back to the truck is to do a 12 to 1,500-foot vertical straight up. And it's the lines on the topos are – tight which means it's gonna be steep so we elect to go down the creek and it's kind of a neat pretty yeah, hike i mean we're going in and out of like it felt like a rainforest at times like we're in oregon or something yeah. um and we uh we took the long way around and so it was, it was a long hike i forget how far we did that day i think it was it wasn't terrible i think it was like four miles maybe um but yeah i was just i was frustrated to be honest you were tired we were both spent on that one and so anyway, came back uh, that night. Sorry, I got dark on us, and we took notes, and I'm trying to read them so I can see what it says. Right, okay, so I got back, and oh, yeah, you do have a light in your truck. That's smart. Um, yeah, it is. How long they have those. So anyway, we get back, and you're like, I think I'm just going to rest, man. And I'm like, I know of a spot that a guy on Facebook told me about. Always trust guys on Facebook. Always trust guys on Facebook. Um, I think the guy on Facebook, he's been on this podcast actually, uh, I think he's legit. It was just a matter of navigation, and I didn't realize how far away this was. Once again, you look on Onyx, and you're like, oh, that doesn't look too bad. Uh, so I told Matt, I'm like, dude, I'm going to go up and sit on this meadow. I can't just, we got back at like 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock. I'm like, I just I just feel like I'm, we're missing some evening action. I don't know exactly how to hunt the evenings. I, I didn't research that maybe as well as what I should have, and... Long story short, it ends up being an hour and a half drive through gates and fences. I was up on, like, I, I took Matt's truck in a place that probably shouldn't. Like, I was going up this ridge that was just super steep. I mean, legal for me to drive on, but eventually, it's like an hour and a half, and I'm like, and it, it gets close, it's like 6.30 p.m. I'm like, I've only got an hour, and I'm still a mile from this uh, meadow that I want to be at that this guy told me was awesome, and I can't get there. I, I ran out of like onyx is saying there's a road i can't find it anymore and i don't have time to look and i'm like i don't know if i can make it back out in the dark so at that point i call it 
and I'm like, I, I've got to get back because I, I'm not gonna get back till like 10 o'clock as it is, even if I find this meadow. And and I didn't want to ruin your hunt because you're up the next day. Yeah. So, you're the shooter. So I drive back, tell you about my crazy adventure. Uh, we get into day five. We start loading our packs at night, planning on a yeah. camp out. Um, we're gonna come in from the northern range, but we decide against the packs because they're super heavy. Yeah. And Matt. Go to day five. Yeah, so day five, um, we want it to be up in, what's that? Oh, we're not going to say it. But basically, a, it's a pretty steep climb up to these big, big north-facing ridges that we know hold a lot of elk. Because we hear them at night on the private land that we're, we're basically sleeping at. The cabin is a ranch, and the ranch is at the base of the mountain. And these elk are there. So we can't just go straight to them because we don't have permission to go across the property. Yeah. So we got to take the long way around. So we hear them in the morning. We kind of see them a little bit and hear them as the evening falls. But again, it's all about access, right? And we, we cannot get to them. So we got to drive clear around the mountain range, get on the, was it the north side? Yeah. Yep. The north side and climb up. How many feet roughly was that? Well, we thought, I thought... Uh, yeah. I had this is a spot I scouted and I called to get oh and I thought was special permission across this fence, this gate that ended up being locked and so I had to take a long way around. And Onyx showed that you could drive and I saw a two track what looked like a two track going up this mountain and you could cut off most of the elevation and you'd get up on this mountain but it's barren for a mile. Like you've got to go across a mile before you hit those north facing drainages that have timber in them where the elk are. But Jeremiah had told us that they had found, like, they had, like, saw a hundred-some elk pouring out of this basin one night while he was here a few years ago, told me it was money, so we wanted to get back in there. And so we get to the parking spot where you're supposed to drive, or the road, and it's got a stake in the ground. You can't drive up it, and it's steep. And I realized, oh, shoot, we've got to hike up this this mountain. And now what was a one-mile hike, once we get on top, now we have to get on top, which is about a... I think three quarter to three a mile quarters, hike. I think yeah. it was at least a mile hike, and it's basically straight up this yeah. super steep road. And not only that, uh, there was already a truck there at the base of this yeah. mountain, and we're like, "Well, we're here now. There's a lot of places that guy could be, and ridges and things like that. So let's keep, let's just send it. Let's just go for it. <laughs> just gonna send it. Oh, that dude, was our we, bro. We sent it. Yeah. We sent it. So we get up to. We finally work our way up. I mean, we're talking about... 1,900 vertical feet, two is, miles. Which is insane. Like, absolutely insane. We get up there. Um, the guy who was in the truck was pretty smart. He took this, like, old, probably 19, like, 80s motorcycle and rode it as far as he legally could to the top. So... Uh, it saved him a bunch of energy. We thought we could drive the truck up there, but again, with the stake, we couldn't. So we, we, we hopped the cattle fence. We keep going. Uh, we're spotting antelope on the way. That was kind of neat. That was neat. There's a lot of them. A lot of them. A lot of them up there. And we saw, like, a real, well, I don't know much about him, but he looked huge. Bro, he was a tank. Yeah. He was a tank of an antelope. Yeah, I saw a really big antelope. If we had, like, a tag and a rifle, like, we would have had antelope down for days. But it's why, it's not why we were there, so... We are, what, probably quarter mile. quarter of a mile from where we want to be, from the glassing spot. 
where we can look down into these north-facing ridges. And I'm, I'm struggling. And I, I, I'm trying to figure out what's going on with me. And I'm just hurting. I just, I noticed like every, like we normally go a little ways and we're now on top and we're still gaining elevation. It's still like a struggle, but it's not as bad as the first part. But the first part was absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Yeah. And I'm noticing Matt is like, he's stopping and it's not just breathers. It's like pain. Yeah. He's dealing with, I, I noticed that you are dealing with something that like, it's just not normal fatigue. Like you yeah. are, you're gassed, but it's beyond that. For sure. Um, so for me, and again, I can't even really pinpoint what it was, but there was this dulling kind of sharp pain coming from the groin area. Uh, I don't know if it was the groin muscle or whatever, but I was, I was hurting and I tried to push through it and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to suck it up. We're still going to send it like, or you can just keep hammering Cameron Haynes type of deal. And, uh. I get up and try to go a couple more feet, and I'm just like, dang it. Like, I'm, I'm really hurting, and I'm like, we have such a still a long hike, and let's say we hear elk or see elk from the glassing point, we still got to get down into them. I mean, we're talking about dropping a 1,000 feet just to be where they're at, and I quickly realized, I'm like, it's just not wise nor realistic to keep pushing in this manner because the last thing I need and that Travis needs is to be stuck up here on this mountain and who knows what injury I have or what's going on at this point uh and who knows if it's going to get worse right and so like we stopped and took some breaks like yeah. maybe 10 minute breaks just to breathe and and you would go a little bit but I could just tell like you're not coming back from this you've hit some sort of wall oh. or something's going on yeah. that I'm nervous that maybe you've you've got something where we might have to go to a hospital type thing because you're just in a lot of pain and I'm like man this is not not a good thing so to keep hunting even though we're only a quarter mile from that first north facing like at one point I was like why don't you just sit down and rest and I just want to go up there was a on the back side of the mountain there was this little Heidi north facer not very big and I thought maybe there could be a pocket of elk there so you said yeah go ahead so I, I went up to the top and as I'm walking up, not probably within 70 yards of us, I see a bivy tent. Like, it's basically like a little tent with like a, somebody's used their hiking pole, like right in the crest of this mountain, like in this little dip. And that, that's where I, we think this guy with the motorcycle was sleeping. This dude's sleeping on top of the mountain, and he's right there where the action starts. And I looked down, I can't hardly see the north-facing slope down in there without getting right next to this guy's tent. I don't think he's in it, but I'm still like, you know, you just feel funny about that stuff. And I'm like, man, this stinks. This guy's probably leaving here every single morning and blowing past or hunting the area that we're trying to get to, and you're hurt. And I'm just like, man, this is, I, this is just, it's a kick in the teeth, man. Like, we had... Three straight days of chasing bugles. Day two, three, four, amazing. Chasing bugles, challenges, frustrating, hitting some lows because it didn't work out, but still, we're chasing bugles. Yeah. And all of a sudden, day five, we've just done a 2,000-foot vertical in two miles, and and, and we're just it's just not working out. So I go back and tell you that, and we turn around, and we uh, slowly hike our way all the way back down the mountain, back to the truck um but some more antelope and 
you almost like stepped on the biggest rabbit I've ever seen in my life. Dude, this thing was like I'm trying to think what what size do we compare it to? Like a bigger than a groundhog. Like yeah. it was like the thing know. was massive. It was a, yeah. Just Bugs it's probably, bunny on steroids. Yeah, probably huge. world record bunny. Like I thought it was some <laughs> mammal or, or sheep, yeah. or, but it was a rabbit, and this thing was monstrous. I don't know if we were allowed to shoot him or not. I, I assume, don't know. We should have sent, we sent an arrow. We didn't have know. time anyway. So. True. But, but yeah. Uh, so we get back, and I start feeling. Matt and I talked about this after the fact, and they, like we're both dealing with. Highest of highs, lowest of lows. Yes. At this point, Matt's at a low. And I know that. And I know I need to to go with him off the mountain. Um, there was part of me that wanted to press on and get into those north. But just because of that other guy and everything, I was like, it's just, I need to make sure you're okay. For sure. And so we get back and we decide we're going to take naps because we are seriously spent. Like, I, I was tired too. And so you laid down, I laid down. I don't fall asleep super easy. I remember twice, like, I started to snore so loud. Like, one time I think I went... <laughs> I don't know why, but, like, I remember, like, waking up saying, sorry, I think you were already out. But yeah. I couldn't go to sleep. Yeah. So then I'm just, like, restless because I don't know. I, I just feel like these previous two trips, like, there's been moments during these trips that have happened where all of a sudden I realize, oh, shoot, the moment that I thought was happening is slipping away. And, I, and this is the moment I'm feeling it. Like, and you're there sleeping, and I'm, like, outside. So I start talking to these other guys and start trying to make a game plan, trying to think about... Like, what can I do, and what are you going to be able to do after you wake up? Are you going to be able to recover? And just, like, I like this wave of energy hits me. Even though I'm tired, I'm just like, man, I've got to get back. So I only used to about an hour. I talked to Kate. We had to walk out, like, probably, like, 50 feet from our, well, further than that. We had to walk out a ways to get Wi-Fi. To, we couldn't get it in our cabin. So I'm talking to my wife and just trying to figure out, like, I want to take care of you and make sure you're good, but I'm also, like, you can't hunt right now i want to get back out there if i can and capitalize on any moment that i can get because i know it can happen at any moment we, yeah. we're so close yeah so yeah. i go back in and you wake up and you're like you're awesome you're like if you want to go like if you want to go someplace tonight scout or glass or whatever yeah. go for it you and gave, i i just knew that i was done right and yeah. i i just felt bad because i just waste i'm just wasting time like wasting time not being able to be on the mountain but i know for like for the sake of the rest of the trip i have to take care of myself in this moment and yeah. i could tell you were just itching and dying to be back out in the mountains yeah and i wanted you to know like yo it's okay like it's okay to go like not without me and you know I, I i think you were looking for that reassurance of just like I was. giving you that green light and i was as, as soon as i did man you I've never seen a man put on hunting boots so fast that you did in that one moment. Dude, I, I was just like, in that moment, I'm like, okay, I'm back. I'm back in it. And I don't know how to hunt evenings very well. Like I said, like, it's, it doesn't seem to be as much of a bugle fest. Apparently, it can be. But I, I just don't know. Guys, I'm, I'm green. Like, this is my third year. But seriously, grand total, I've spent less than two weeks in the mountains chasing elk. Yeah. And my first time was, like, a, a rifle hunt, you know, so it was completely different. So I, I just, I'm still just don't know what to do sometimes, but all I know is I can get back out there and maybe make a setup for the next day. I'm supposed to be the shooter the next day and try and figure out, you know, where, I, and I thought, well, maybe I can hunt too. And it's early. I was like 3.30. And so I drive back down toward where uh, you had your encounter with the bull and I passed that mountain where there was a guy camped there all week and he's not camped there anymore. So I'm like, well, shoot, I, I'd go check this out. 
But storms are supposed to come. Um, uh, you know, storms are supposed to come. In fact, I even think I pitched that idea to you about maybe camping out or something like that. Yeah, you were thinking, you know, what if we go to where we want to be tomorrow, but we sleep at the base of the mountain? Sleep at the, tr- you know, sleep at the truck, yep. and that won't be too bad. We still get a decent night's rest, and then we don't have to get up as early. Um, but then we looked at the forecast, and it looked like it was about to storm. And so that was another kick in the teeth. But you gave me the green light. I'm like, I'm going. I don't care if it's storming. And I go up that mountain. And long story short, like I, it wasn't as hard to hike up that mountain as what I thought, having done 2,000 vertical feet. Like I have some legs. I have some energy. I'm excited. But then all of a sudden I get up there, not seeing a ton of sign. I rip some bugles, don't hear anything. And then all of a sudden it starts to thunder starts to lightning and then it starts to sleet on me and I'm like I better get back before I get drenched or struck by lightning or tree falls on me so I get back to the truck and it's like sleeting pretty hard and I go on down past that point to where you and I where you had your encounter with your bull and I wait for the thermals to start dropping which I got there so early like it was like four o'clock and I'm so I had to stand there till like 5 30 before I felt like I could go up in there because I didn't want to mess up the next day's hunt I go up in uh, I shot my bow a little bit, actually. I took, like, an old wrapper of a honey stinger. By the way, my favorite snack on the mountain. Love honey stingers. Uh, and I uh, shot my bow using, like, a little uh, small game tip. Um, and forgot to talk about grouse. There's been a couple times where we got where we were driving, and all of a sudden grouse would come out, and it turned into a grouse hunt. Yeah. <laughs> Never was able to get them to slow down enough no, for us. But things are quick little boogers. On my way back from that stupid, long, one-hour-and-a-half hike I the best part of that was grouse flush and I got out and I was in the middle of this wide open plain just walking by myself trying to kill a grouse and couldn't get one but anyhow uh, get over there glass don't see anything maybe like a mule deer that was about it and it gets cold and that cold just makes me like tired like all of a sudden the morning's hike finally catches up with me and I'm just standing there and I still got probably 45 minutes till dark and I'm like I, I don't want to stay anymore. Like, what am I going to do? If I see an elk come out like three quarters of a mile up there, which is where they came out last time or where we saw them, I can't get up there in time before dark. And I'm going to blow this spot out in the morning. I'm tired. I want to go back. So I end up leaving. And I don't know. If, like, it's one of those things where I'm like, am I leaving during prime time? Like, I've seen people with deer do that. Like, they leave, like, at last light when they're coming out. And sure, I mean, sure. Sure, I mean, something could have came out, a, a cow could have came out, but I'm just sitting there just, like, just done. Like, yeah. came back, you saw me, and you're like, you okay? I'm like, man, I'm, I'm out. Like, yeah, I, I hit my wall earlier, and then you you, you hit your wall then. So I, we kind of hit a rhythm, I felt like, at a certain point where we got up every morning, uh, set the alarm clock, I would get up, there was this coffee pot, and there was, like, an old, like, 1980s percolator kind of thing. So I'd set an alarm, I'd wake up, plug that thing in so it would percolate the coffee, and then we'd sleep for another 15 minutes and get up, usually by 5, 4.45 to get on the road. So that's what we did setting up for day six. Uh, I'll have you set up day six and I'll kind of take it at a certain point. Day six, who's the shooter? I'm the shooter. This was okay. crazy, crazy. Yes. So set us up for that. So uh, day six, we basically did the same routine of what we did day three. And day three is when I had my encounter with the bull uh, that came into 35 yards. So we go to the same place, uh, go to the same glassing knob, and- uh, We're there early. Yeah, we're there earlier, kind of get up in there before the sun comes up. Uh, Pretty cold morning, I do remember that. Some decent wind. 
Um, so we're sitting there, we're trying to glass, just trying to listen. I don't think we're hearing much. No. Uh, but and, we it, didn't, and there was no elk out in the field yeah. this time, so nothing to see as far as glassing goes. Yes. And instead of waiting, well, going all the way up and around and then coming back down get to get the thermals right, uh, we decided to start from the bottom early so the thermals are coming um, down the mountain still. And, like, instead of coming on top, we decided to approach from underneath up into their bedding area. And so I remember us doing that. We do a couple breeding sequences. We get set up kind of right where they were bedding on day three. Good sign. Yeah, you know. great sign. Uh, nothing just showed, which is cool. Um, so we we work our way all the way back up to where we had lunch on day three, where we heard the bugle in that back north-facing ridge. And uh, I had to do a number two. So I took the time to do that, and you took the time to stand on that uh, the ridge yeah. to listen down in that north face. And I kept contact with my wife a lot during this. Like I, I know for her, it's encouraging whenever I text her, or if I don't have service, I you know use the Garmin inReach and send her a quick message or whatever it is. And so I just sent her a message like, "Hey, no bugles today, uh, but it could happen anytime." And so we're just gonna. And I just give her like a little message. Ten seconds after I hit send on that a bull fires off across the canyon. And I'm like, oh, snap, here we go. We got another bugle. And all of a sudden, like, I'm back. Like, we went from the, the day before, like, getting our butts kicked, not hearing any bugles because we weren't really hunting. We were just hiking. And, you know, it just was like, here we go. Like, back in it, let's roll. But my partner is off in the woods uh, taking a dump. So. Yes. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. Matt, where are you? And you came out like, did you hear that? I was like, no. Or you said, no, you didn't hear it. Yeah. So we make a game plan that we're not exactly sure where this bull is, but we need to go up and bugle. And we went up and let out a location. And he answered that, right? Yeah, he answered. And yep. we thought it was up the canyon mm-hmm. a little ways. And so, actually a long ways. And so we looked at the maps, and it was a mile up this canyon. Uh, to get to the head, where basically we're going to be on like a south-facing slope going up, and then we're going to go up to a point where there's some benches, and then we'll curve around to the north-facing side and take that all the way down. And then, oh, by the way, there's another north-facer on the other side that we can bugle into, too. So, feeling like, man, and it seems like there might be two bulls, we're not sure, uh, maybe one halfway down, so we mark its location, but we're more focused on the one at the head that after we bugle, we hear so we started up the mountain, um, kind of a long climb, uh, took a while to get up there, wasn't terrible, but I mean, it was a long ways up there and we get up probably within about a quarter mile and he sounds off again and we're like, okay, we think he's in this, like near those benches and we realize our thermals are now rising and they're kind of going up that way and I just, we don't like that, you know, we don't like We've already had at least one hunt messed up by that, by the by the wind. So we're going to take the long way around this meadow. And so we take a long, long way around to get to where we want to be. And we end up in this spot. Finally, as we crest the ridge the, where we think we heard them, we get into a like, really fresh sign. Mm-hmm. Like You find like great sign, amazing stuff. And so we decide, man, we're not exactly sure where he's at. Let's do the slow play breeding sequence. Um, so I step up. It's kind of wide open in this spot, and um, you're back behind. You find some stuff. You start doing the 
sounds yeah, and I mean, raking. Where you pointed me to to do it, I don't think you realized that the exact spot I went to that you pointed me was a fresh uh, rake. Right. A fresh yeah, rub no, I did, where I didn't know that at a all. bull and the, like the, the wood was still wet. It was still shredded. I mean, it probably happened earlier that morning or in maybe later that or the night before. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be perfect because we're going to like, I'm a rake. I'm going to do some cow calls back here as a breeding sequence. I'm going to rake the exact same spot that he did maybe an hour or two before. Yeah. I'm like, that's going to piss this bull off to no end. So we start getting into that and it wasn't what a couple minutes in. Yeah, you went through it basically twice. I think the whole thing, you know, cow calls, then the bull, and then raking, and some extra noises, and then a cow call. Um, and at a certain point, I hear him rip a bugle. And I realize that he's not down in front of me where I'm looking. He's way further out, like out this, there's like a meadow, kind of like a big meadow, a lot of shrub brush and stuff like that, out in front of us where these benches are, somewhere out there. So I go over there. And I'm set up, and you're, um, I think you keep calling, and then, I, 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 I might have cow called at one point. Yeah, you did cow call. I don't know why I did that, I'm trying to remember. Um, I think I just wanted, well, one, I wanted you to keep calling. I think you okay. would stop the sequence, because okay. yeah. you'd gone for a little while, and I don't know if you heard the first bugle. I did not, I did not. I okay. did hear one, I don't know which bugle it was. I yeah. did hear him, and then so I answered over top with the, with the challenge. Yeah. So, anyhow, this bull's out there, and I'm like, I'm set up, but it's wide open. I'm like, if he comes in here, man, I I got a tree behind me, but I don't. But then he, I let out that cow call again, and he chuckles me, and he is way off. And I've understood a chuckle whenever a bull goes, oh, 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 you know, like a puppy dog kind of, or ape sound, that he's kind of inviting the cow to join his harem, is, is what I've understood that to mean. I don't know if that's true. Everybody's kind of got their own opinion and experiences, but... So you're back there still, and I'm like, and I don't know if you've heard this. And I'm like, I need to get my pack because I took it off so I could be more nimble and move around. And this bull, I know he's still out there good ways. Um, so I go back, get you, throw my pack, and we start making our way out there. I think we get up like 100 yards, and we did this a couple times. We stopped, and you would rake, and I would do the cow call, and he would, most of the time, he would go off. Pugle, but, and you would challenge, but he would not challenge back. So it seemed like he was wanting the cow to come, but he didn't want He much. wasn't just overly ticked off at you, which I thought was interesting. But finally, we keep going, keep going, keep going. And we get to, like, where this ridge... It's been flat for a long time. We hit this nice, flat, open field, which I didn't like because it was too open. I thought yeah. any moment he's going to peg us. But he stays in his spot. He never moves. And he's up on this ridge on this bench. Can't see him. We get within probably 100, 125 yards... And we're going through, like, nasty bedding. Like, he's tore stuff up. There's fresh poop. It's sticking to our boots, finally. Like, it is, like, it's what you dream of a, yeah. of a bedding area. They are there. This is it. This is the moment that I've been waiting for. And that bull, we didn't even make a noise. We just stepped on a stick or something. He heard us, and he rips a gnarly challenge. Went off. And Matt challenges him back, and he doesn't say a word. He doesn't challenge Matt, and we're like, this is the part where he gets mad, comes down, and I stick an arrow in him. Like, he's just up there. He he has to be within 100, but it's like a rise. Like, just picture it going flat, going into a hill, 
and then as it rises there's like trees in front of you and you can't see what's up on that hill but you know he's up there he's up there to my left you start raking and i think twice during that time he he challenged in the second on me he shook the earth yes. rattling challenge bugle yes. and i'm like here we go I'm dog tired. Like I wanted to like put down my pack. My back hurts. We've just gone up this thing and gone a long ways around. Like I'm so tired in this moment, but I'm like, this is it. This is the moment. This is what you've been waiting for. And it's the most fired up bull that we have probably all, all trip as far as just vocalization. And then all of a sudden it just stops. I thought I saw movement over the hill. Like I thought I saw something go over the hill to the left but I couldn't really confirm that I didn't hear it it's just a flash and I'm sitting there waiting and waiting and waiting and a minute turns into like two minutes I break some sticks I try and do a cow call just to see and something isn't right and I thought I heard some cow noises too um I thought I heard some cows up on the hill to my right and they're act they're mewing around which we hadn't heard any cows hadn't seen any cows other than those guys out in the field on day three um and so I'm like, man, this is this isn't good. Like he should be down here by now. This is taking too long. I need to press up. I need to press up and be able to look up the hill and maybe something's still there. Something's not right. So I slowly move up the hill just to the base of the hill. And I look up and to my left is a bunch of deadfall, like a bunch of aspen trees laying down or some other trees laying down and and it's kind of like a wall in front of me, and I'm looking up toward where I think the bull should be, but I can't see because it's just really steep. I'm there for probably 30 seconds, and all of a sudden I catch movement behind the deadfall. So I'm like, okay, binos, let's see what's up there. And it looks small, and at first I pull it up, and I don't, don't know if I really see anything. And then I see brown, and I'm like, oh, and it's kind of like this light brown color, and it's right behind this deadfall that's about 60 yards away. So I think calf. Like, because it's, so, it's really low to the ground. I know it can't be a cow. I know it's not the bull. And I can just see the top of its back. So I throw down the binos, and I get ready to, like, you can see my GoPro. I capture this. You can see me get ready to about hook on, and I'm like, wait a second. I need to look at that again. Like, something just seemed weird to me. I throw up the binos again and I look at this thing and it is not kind of moving like an elk. It's kind of moving like side to side and the fur looks thicker than elk. And all of a sudden I have this realization that what I am looking at might not be an elk. In fact, it might be the reason we haven't heard an elk in the last three minutes. And all of a sudden this thought just clicks in my head, grizzly bear. I throw down my binos. I'm all of a sudden I've got two choices: reach for my bear spray or reach for my gun. And I don't know exactly why, but I reach for the bear spray. I guess I thought if he hits, he's walking toward a gap. Whatever this critter is on the other side of this log, that I'm pretty sure is a bear. Like 90, 95 percent sure it's a bear now. It's about to come out potentially to a gap, and if it sees me, I am 60 yards downhill from this critter that can cover 50 miles an hour. And so I go for my bear spray because I'm like, I don't know if I can make a good enough shot if he comes in. And so I pull out my bear spray, I take off the cap, I'm pointing it up there, and I'm, I mean, at this point I am very concerned. I won't say that I'm scared, like shaking, I am just like, this could be a really bad situation if that is in fact what I think it is. I didn't see its head, 
And at that point, like, I'm sitting there, I'm pointing, and I'm looking back, and I've got a ton of deadfall right behind me. I'm in a pickle. Like, I cannot scramble backwards and run or turn and run, which is a bad thing to do against a grizzly anyway because you're yes. not going to outrun them. So I see a tree off to my left, and I'm like, I could maybe duck behind that and try and get around it real quick. While and at that point, I'm also thinking, like, which way is the – I do remember this, Matt. I, don't, yeah. I didn't tell you this. I'm like, what way is the wind going? Because if – I spray this and it's directly in my face, then I'm not gonna be able to see because I'm getting pepper sprayed. Yeah. Uh, and that stuff is powerful. We we both tested ours day one, and I would neither one of us realize how fast and how hard that stuff comes out. It's just like a cannon, cannon. of spray. Yeah. Um so anyhow, all of a sudden I look back and to, much to my relief, you are standing there. Yes. So tell me your side of the story. <laughs> yes, yeah, so I stay back uh, initially to to call and rake and throw out bugles if needed um, to pull that bull down off that hillside. And uh, after a while, I mean, I'm waiting for any moment to hear the release of Travis's arrow and hitting that bull, but it just kind of never comes. So I'm like, you know what? I'm slowly going to creep up to the direction I think Travis went and uh, just to make sure if, you know, if he needs covered for anything call-wise, then, then I can do that. Well, I eventually get to a point where I see Travis backing down the hill, literally walking backwards down the hill, and he has his bear spray out. And so my first thought, I'm like, why, does he ha- why is he holding his bear spray? I'm like, there's an elk up there. Like, did he drop it and now he's just kind of picking it up or something? Like, what's going on? But Travis is also looking behind him to make sure he's stepping over logs and things that he needs to. And I realized in that moment, I'm like, holy crap, there's a bear I up look, there. I look back at you and you look at me and I wiggle my, my bear spray yes. like bear. bear. You, like all of a sudden you go for your gun. I pull my gun out so fast, like ready and just waiting for this bear to just come charging down this mountain. So I, yeah, at this point I'm like, this is, this is not good. This whole, and it's starting to click. I'm like, this is why these elk are acting like really weird. And this is why like, they, they, this should have been, this is like, every time you watch YouTube videos, and I know not everything on YouTube is like, there's other stuff going on, but this is the scenario. You challenge the bull, bull fires back, he comes down off the mountain to kick Matt's butt, and I can fire an arrow. Like, that's what's supposed to happen. Yes. And it didn't. And I'm like, why? What's going on? And I, I really think that that bear, and I am, like, guys, 90, 95% sure it's a bear now. I will admit to you, I don't know exactly what kind of bear it was. I thought it was a grizzly. Having talked to the owner, she says that there's not a... I, we knew this, too. That the it, owner owner of the ranch. Owner of the ranch, yes. Owner of the ranch where we're staying. We met her today. And she says that they get a lot of what's called cinnamon bears. Um, could have been, but that's not as cool of a story. It was definitely a grizzly bear. Yes. Uh, <laughs> totally, in my mind, and will forever be... A grizzly bear, because all I saw was the, the back part of his back, so I didn't see a hump, didn't see his face. I back up toward Matt, and I think this bear caught our scent. In fact, I think that was part of the other part of the problem, is that our scent, at that point, we were at the base of this hill, this hill, and our scent had started going up. Because of thermals. Because yeah. of thermals. So even if the bear's not there, I don't know what would have happened. There's no... But that bear disappeared. Like I never... All I saw was his back going through there. I am almost certain it wasn't an elk. Um, 
the way too low to the ground, the way it's moving. So anyway, like Matt and I, like at that point, I draw my gun too, put the bear spray. I'm like, if we have two guns, we surely can hit a brain. One of us will hit it. Yeah, we can get this thing. And we just back away. And I'm like, guys, looking over my back a lot, looking over my shoulder. I wasn't, like I said, I wasn't petrified. Like, I wasn't like sitting there shaking like we were going to die. Because I just, I didn't 100% confirm what it was because I never saw its head. And it never came down the hill toward me like I, my biggest fear was. But I'm just like, I think I was just in 60 yards of a bear. Yes. Like, I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that that really, like, this is surreal. Like, that can't. And up to this point, we've seen, like, one pile of bear poop, like, four days before this. And it was really old. So, not a ton of bears. But there are grizzlies there. There are some other bears there. And as we're leaving this bedding area, we come across bear poop. <laughs> Yes. Just to even more confirm what I think I saw. So we get off. We're going to have lunch. It's like 1 o'clock. Can't get a bugle. We ripped a few bugles. No bugles. And so on day six, that right there was my closest encounter. Next to probably the, the bull in the canyon. Like, absolutely amazing. The bull ripping bugles. Us working our way to him. It's trying to do it smart. I didn't. At one point, I thought he's inviting me. I thought maybe I'll try and go at him like I did before and just be at sm- be smarter like I did in 2019 if you listen to that story um I tried to go at him and like he just didn't I don't know Matt it, it, it seems like his bugles were just at random points yeah he, he was letting us know he was there he wanted the cow to come yeah but he, it was just he didn't want to play the game yeah he didn't want to play the game I think he just really wanted the cow to join up like that the cow calls he were doing but he, he did not want much at all with the, bull. the only time I thought he wanted to play the game is when we got to the base and he ripped two really strong defensive like challenges. Yes. And I think that was directed at you as the bull. And, but anyway, like I said, it was crazy. Uh, that was definitely one of the craziest things I've ever experienced. Like, did a bear just ruin... <laughs> did a of bear, all uh, things. Of all things. A bear yeah. just ruined our elk hunt. Yeah. yeah. And I, I thought for sure when I was back there calling and raking and all that i'm like this is it like this bull's fired up like travis gonna get up in there and still the deal yeah we and get then, it go ahead sorry no and then to watch you come down the mountain backwards with bear spray in your hand i'm like crap like this would happen i i mean i honestly i last thing i expected like we really didn't think we'd see a ton of bears where we were at yeah. um you know it just they are there like i said but it's you know it just like i said we had had six days and we had barely seen any sign whatsoever that bears were in this area so we back down a ways uh, we try and get out of there we saw a beautiful meadow with a wallow right below there a high meadow that they're using you know just i mean we were in we were in the best elk spot that we had seen and so we back down and you're trying to like comfort me a little bit like as if i'm disappointed but i've got like i didn't feel like i'd really done anything wrong looking back probably thermal wise yes at a certain point that bull, even if there wasn't a bear, may have caught my wind, but uh, I don't know. Like I just felt like I'd done everything in my power to get in there. The bear messed it up, and I just felt like, man, other than a dead bull, what more can you ask for? Like to me, it was just ama- another amazing experience that unfortunately didn't end in a bull on the ground. And but. We're going to tell that story for the rest of our lives, right? For like, sure. I don't have kids, but one day when I do, I'm going to tell them that story, how yeah. their dad survived a grizzly encounter. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. I'm going to hype it up to act like I'm some big honcho yeah, or man. something. But, uh, yeah, man, it, it just a, 
I mean, yeah, we didn't get the bull, but to have that happen and to be able to tell that story to so many different people for the rest of you know, our wild. time here, going to be crazy. So we grabbed lunch and then it was, it just turned like, turned into a hike from yeah. there. Like we tried to call a lot going down that ridge and just didn't, it was so windy. We yeah. had to walk, like we almost had to walk the south facing slope because there was so much deadfall. Dead if you stepped over 20 yards, you got yourself into a deadfall uh, maze where you just you just couldn't navigate how much fallen logs that were there. But if you were up on the ridge, you couldn't hear. And so we'd go down 100, maybe bail over a little bit, call, come up, and just didn't feel like, at that point, it's a little bit later in the afternoon, and we've put miles on. Yeah. So all said and done, day six. We get down to this trail and we still have a long, long ways up through here to get, like we strap bows on our packs because there's definitely no elk down where we're at most likely. And we just hike out and it ended up doing eight miles. Um, I think it was about 1800 vertical feet on that day too. Yeah. It just covered a lot of ground. And so that brings us to today, this morning. Um, we, so routine. Long clock goes off at what? Four forty-five. You, you make the coffee. Make the coffee percolator. You I, never drank, but like one cup of that stuff. I thought it was halfway decent for being like an yeah, old. Yeah, I see my. I just didn't want to drink the caffeine and then you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, all that good stuff and mm-hmm. have to deal with the bowel issues with there. But anyways, um, yeah, we get up and it was we were debating the night before kind of where we wanted to go and we were rolling over the different options and things like that and. Uh, we were like, you know what, let's just go somewhere entirely new. Because for the most part, the new places we've gone to, we've had bulls fire up on us. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what, let's just roll the dice, shot in the dark, let's go to this new place. Did Jeremiah mention this? Yeah. Yes, this was one of these just spots that he mentioned uh, whenever I called him that night, and it kind of lit a fire. Like, he was talking about all these places that we could go. And this one's not an issue because, for one, you could drive up in a decent ways. And I knew that we had just done an 8-miler, plus the day before that we had done the 2,000 vertical feet and, and just absolutely wrecked our legs. Yes. Like, we're in pretty good shape overall. Not not Cam Haynes, not, like, top-notch, but I feel like overall I was in fairly decent shape this time. Yeah. And so we get up, we hop in the truck, we drive down... Um, we're really starting to notice as we're driving to the gate, the access gate, there's a lot of people in full wheelers and side by sides moving through the mountains and trails and getting see up their to, lights. Yeah, we can see their lights kind of getting where they want it to be. And um, so we get to the spot where we wanted, but we kind of stopped at the base of like where it really started to kind of get steep. And the reason why is because Jeremiah said, hey, even though you can, don't drive all the way up in there because there's a there's a meadow, and in the meadow is a wallow, an active elk wallow. So you, the last thing you want to do is drive all the way up in there and blow all the elk out before you can step foot out of the truck. And so we get to where you know we felt comfortable. Like all right, let's get out here. Uh, let's let's walk kind of the rest of the way up through the meadow area. So we get out of the truck, everything's routine, everything's fine, and we set off on the trails. And so we start hiking up in, and you know, a little bit of a challenging hike, but after the previous two days, 
like what what can the mountain throw at us other than a cliff like we've climbed everything in the previous two days and even days before that like did we didn't put a ton of miles on other than the mile, mile eight like most days we we're getting about four miles but yeah. they were hard hard miles. hard like miles. getting into some rocks yes. and climbs Steep terrain. and just putting our bodies through it so we're making it up there we're tired but we're making it up there and we are almost up to that meadow like days breaking and you look back and I see this, these headlights way, like way off in the distance. And I had this gut feeling inside me. I'm like, that truck is going to end up right where we're at. But the thing is, is that there's so many different trails leading off to other ridges and areas that the odds of that happening are pretty slim. But yeah. sure enough, like five minutes later, I look back and he's like, yeah, yeah he's like halfway to us and I'm like, crap, Travis, I think he's I think he's going to be here. Yeah. But in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, if he's coming to the same ridge uh, section that we're at, he's going to see our truck at the base of the trail, and he's going to stop there. Yep. Right? Because that's what a lot of people do out of more so courtesy, because if we're up in there hiking and hunting, uh, you know, they don't want, we don't want the elk to be blown out, right? It's just a common courtesy thing that, that you do. Um. So sure enough, he gets closer and closer and closer. And we hear him getting on the gravel trail that we're on. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Okay, so he's here, right? Maybe he'll stop at the base at some point, kind of down the down where we came from. Nope, he's still coming, he's still coming, he's still coming. And then within a few minutes, he's literally right behind us. Yeah. And we decided to step off the trail that we were on because obviously we don't get it get want to get run over by this guy and so we step off to the side i figured he'd stop and we could have yeah. like a little conversation like oh yeah we're both going to the same spot where do you want to kind of figure we might have like a little conversation and i couldn't really tell what the guy said but you thought yeah i thought he said something along the lines of roads not closed. roads not closed or road is closed and then it was like road is closed, fellas, or something. Kind like, of smart Alec. A smart Alec. He rolled down the window. He he never once stopped. It was just in one motion. Rolls down the window, says something to us, and just keeps barreling up the trail towards the top of uh, where we're heading. And he's he drives. Not only does he drive right up in the me- 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 meadow, sorry, he just keeps going like beyond where Onyx said there was a road. Yes. And so we're just like, we just stop. And you just look at me and you are clearly frustrated over this. Like, like this dude, like, not that, he had every right in some ways. Like, at the base of the mountain, we parked off the side. And there was another road that technically we could have been down. But once he found us, you would have thought maybe he would stop. And we could just have a, a civil conversation about this and make a game plan. Like, you go this way, we'll go this way. Yes. But it's like, in his mind... That, and he doesn't seem to be maybe our age, a little younger. Um, this, this guy? Yeah. No, he was older. Was he? He was like probably 45. Dead serious. Really? Yeah. I thought he was like a 20-year-old. Oh, that's no, not at all. Not oh. at all. Yeah, Definitely anyway. like a 45 I guess whenever you become 36, you're just like, you know, yeah. look well, a little younger. But anyway, he, this dude rolls up the mountain. You're frustrated. I think you're like done at that point. Let's go yeah, someplace because, else. And, yeah. And See, my thing is like at least have the common courtesy and decency like it's not a it's not a written rule but like at least if it, if i was him and i came up on two guys 
that are almost at the top. Almost at the top to where they want to be. And there's good elk meadow and stuff like that, like the wallow. I would have been like, hey, man, like, where do you guys plan on heading? I don't want to be on top of you guys. I don't want our bugles competing, thinking that you're an elk and we just are constantly calling to each other, messing up both of our hunts. I mean, something of that of that nature. But no, he just rolled down his window, said something, which I it the, the demeanor felt very sarcastic and uh, just not, I don't know, it's just kind of disrespectful in a way. Right. So um, we, yeah, so it just really, it really, and at this point, it's the last day, it's day seven, I'm exhausted, I'm tired, and something like that happened on the last day, because everyone else we've kind of ran into have been the opposite, right? They've been awesome. Uh, awesome. Yeah, we've been some super nice. I was worried coming out that it seemed like um, people from, uh, it seems like people in Montana, at least online, there's a lot of hatred toward non-residents because of how many of us there are and things like that. And so I was a little bit nervous, but that was the opposite. Like the yeah. ranchers were awesome. awesome. Like, like these cowboys coming out, like I swear the one guy looked like Rip from Yellowstone, like all black, matte, black beard and all this. And, and just some like really cool folks. We met some other guys hunting from, I think Wisconsin and shot the breeze with it like we just every up until this point we haven't met like a public land jerk and so uh i, I told that like well i guess it's kind of shocking that we haven't had any trouble up yeah. to this point and so what i knew is that jeremiah had marked another point where they had heard a bugle one time and it's actually the opposite direction of where this dude just went so i tell matt let's Let's go over there. Let's just forget this guy. Let's go cross country. Let's forget the meadow. And let's just go, let's go find a bugle. There's a north-facing slope over there. Let's do it. And so you, I, I think, agreed. You were, you were tired and frustrated yeah, and ticked I, off. I was so done at yeah. that point. Just so done. Like, ah. So we start going. At this point, I'm realizing, like, we're, we've seriously seen at least seven side-by-sides going up different mountains. I'm like, man, the pressure is on on Ramped. these up. And this location bugle stuff that we've been doing, like, it might not work. Or it might call in Mr. Truck Guy or somebody else. So I have this idea. This worked with Travis Shire and I on the last trip. Is we're going to throw some rocks uh, and walk. And every so often just make, like, I was just going to make the tiniest, like, cow sound. Like, that was my game plan. Because I was like, and cow sound shouldn't bring another hunter over. And the bull should, if he hears rocks, that sounds like cows walking. And most hunters try and go stealthy. They try and be quiet and be stealth mode. And usually to an elk, if you get in close, that actually, they're more on edge because that sounds like a predator to them. So we start throwing rocks. We start walking. I said, Matt, let's do the, the loud cows going to bed thing. We start walking out through this spot, throwing it. And I just say, let's stop for a second. And I throw out, I think, two very just short cow calls and all of a sudden he rips a bugle and he goes off he goes off and it's definitely a real bull wasn't a hunter like where this bull was at we're like i'm like matt it's on man here we go last day last chance legs are spent let's do it so bring us through, Matt. Yeah, so um, we think he's just over the next ridge on the north-facing side. He kind of sounds down towards the bottom, which makes sense because uh, elk will kind of pour out of the mountains. They'll, they like to feed low, 
at night and then as the sun's coming up they go back up to the ridges and the mountain sides on the north facing slopes to go to bed um and so hey it's like we gotta get there like asap so we like we we bellow what, what, what do we do we go up first no yeah i had to go up this one go, little yeah, rise go up a rise uh do the same thing cow call he fires off again we're like let's go so then um we're like you know what we think he's actually on the other side of the ridge so the next one so we bail down sue i mean we're booking it we are haul and tell we're giving our worn out bodies like everything we're i mean we're just we're hauling so we go clear down this ridge go clear up the other side on this rock face and we get up to the top and did we did we we heard one bugle on top of that you said it sounded like a horse but i i I knew enough, like, it sounded kind of funny, but I was like, that's definitely still him. Yeah. And it sounded like maybe once we got on top of this lip, in my mind, I didn't know it was on the other side, but I was like, he's maybe two, three hundred yards from there, based off of, like, day six. I was like, he could be a ways. Like, sound travels a really long ways in the mountain. Like, those bulls sound like they're, like, a hundred yards, and they could be five to seven hundred yards away. For sure. And so... You're like, should we kind of keep our elevation, or should we go up this way? And I was like, dude, there are so many hunters around right now that they're hearing this too, potentially. Like, yeah. in my mind, I'm like, let's let's go at him. He's answering every cow call I throw at him. Let's do it. And so we had to go up this, like, I don't know, what was it? Like, 70-foot climb up this just shale rock, nasty stuff. Yeah. I think we had to stop three times get our wind because and our legs are just spent spent yeah and we get up on top and nothing like can't hear him don't know where he is and shuts up we start doing cow calls and we don't hear anything and i'm I'm shocked at this point i'm like where did where did he go because he was so fired up with your cow calls we're throwing rocks still doing that whole deal and just nothing and we're looking and so we decide well i guess we so we tried the cow calls we tried some bugles yeah. into the canyon and i look at a topo map on onyx and i realize okay if we go on to our like there's a huge by the way what we see is a giant south facing slope and then a north he's there's a north facing side over there thick giant timber and it goes it's very very steep up to our right is very steep this bull's in some place it's super steep and I look on the map and I have the same mental image as the day before. There's some benches. It's like a transition zone from the south facing slope to the north facing. And I look up the mountain and I'm like, he's probably on one of those benches. And his sound is carrying down the canyon and that's what we're hearing. That's what's in my head. And so we come to this point where we're trying to make a game plan. We don't hear him. We wait probably 15 minutes trying to just hear him, rip some bugles, see if he'll come, nothing. Like, just, just give us a hint where you're at, man. And so I'm like, well, let's go at him. And we realize, like, I look on my, my Onyx, and it's only 600 yards of side hilling to get up to these little benches, which we just done a mile the day before. So I'm like, 600 yards isn't too bad. And you're like, well, maybe we should just go straight up this steep stuff. And once you get on top, there's some Flat, flats. Flattens out. But I'm looking at that, and I'm like, man, that is going to be a climb because we are at... I think we're at like maybe seven nine seven eight, and to get up on top is like eight four to eight eight. 
I'm like, we're gonna have to climb up six to eight hundred feet. Like that's gonna be, and I just know what my legs already feel like from doing some of these other hills that weren't as bad as the day before. So I suggest we do a side side hill. hill. Yeah. And you kind of go along with it, and then we start to see some deer, like deer and elk paths. Yeah. And so you kind of went along. We're like, well, we can go on these paths, and maybe it won't be so bad. If it, you, I remember you looking back yeah. saying, if it stays like this, it won't be too bad. It didn't stay like that. Nope. Nope. So our already worn out bodies, uh, basically, how long did that take, man? Probably an hour. An hour. I mean, side hill is super, super steep, like uneasy, unsettling terrain with rocks, just, rocks. just loose like dirt and gravel and every step you would your foot would slide down like another foot so it's almost like like one step was three steps in a sense so uh and we we finally cleared that side hill and our best bet was to go clear up the drainage in between the south and the north facing slope to get on top and what we realized what i realized at a certain point is we are walking on an open south facing slope slope in the sunlight in the sunlight and i can glass over into this north facing slope and i can see gaps like it's not like it's thick as some other areas i'm like if there is a bull over there he's sitting there chuckling to himself thinking look at these two idiots thinking that they're gonna come in like we are in the wide open like area and i'm like man i have led us right to a spot where there's no chance that even if we get to these benches this elk sees us sees us and hears us coming and we can't do it quietly like we're these rocks are sliding and so our only option at that point i agreed with you as like we just got to bail up north i was a little excited about this (laughs) for weird reasons yeah because up on top is the continental divide continental divide trail is up on top but to get there was absolutely brutal i mean our legs we just can't from a wind standpoint, I felt like I had a still kind of was sucking wind a lot, yeah. but my legs were just, yes. they just can't. I can go about five to ten steps, and they're on fire. fire. My yes. thighs are on fire. My legs are on my calves, and it's just, it's brutal, man. Yes. And you're spent. I can tell. I'm spent, and I'm just like. And we're realizing to get to where we think this bull is is gonna be an all-day affair um to hike all the way to the top to, to head south where he may have been yeah we, i mean been, we hadn't yeah. heard him in an hour and we weren't even really sure where we had heard him the last yeah because we were on down in this bottom and cresting so we had no I, I just made a prediction that i thought he was up at the head of it but he never made any noises if he was there and i doubt he stayed very long if with us coming across there so finally make it to the top um see idaho um which was neat in some ways it was super windy and cold um and it was neat for me this whole thing started with my dad whenever i was a kid going on i think two or three elk trips with a rifle never getting anything but just loving the hunts showing me pictures and just like always saying i want to take you out there to do it and then as we got older it just didn't happen we get you know we went out on family vacations great dad but just one of those things where it's just like it was a dream but just never happened finally my brother and i started harassing saying dad what are we going to do this and that's what led to my first elk trip he got cancer 
wasn't able to go. He paid for my flight to go on my very first trip, and that's where I just fell in love with the mountains, and that's what's led to me doing this the next, you know, every three years, basically, and this being my third trip. And so I remember one of the things my dad talked about a lot when it, from his elk trips is he thought it was super neat. They were hunting this spot in Colorado right on the Continental Divide, and he saw these hikers coming up the Continental Divide Trail walking right up it, and he saw that. So there's this moment, though, we're sucking wind, we're tired, but I'm like, we got to get on top because we're this close now. And I step onto that trail, and I look into Idaho, and it's just like, I don't know, it was neat. Like, it was just this neat moment where I'm kind of connecting with, I'm in a spot, not the same spot, my dad wasn't in Montana, but Continental Divide Trail, something that might stuck with my dad, it meant something to him, it, is, it meant something to me. You know, there we are, we're enjoying that, and I... We're trying to make a game plan, and and I, Matt, take it from there as far as what we kind of wrap up with. Yeah, um, we just had that realization that even though our hearts and minds, like we were still wanting to to hunt and kind of be in the fight, uh, our bodies just couldn't keep up with it, and um, so we decided, you know what, let's let's do one more go because there's this nice north facing bench that's kind of on the way back towards the truck uh that's on the um it would be the i think the uh, the north yeah the north side of the meadow and uh we're like you know what there's a cool bench over there these bulls all of them been hanging on these north facing benches let's just go in there do like a slow pace sequence and then uh if it's if it's a bull and we down one great like awesome we'll we'll do what we can do to to pack it out but if not, like, let's just head back to the truck. And I, I stopped Travis and I said, hey, I was like, what if, this random thought, I know we're supposed to hunt all day today and head out tomorrow. But I was like, what if we did this, uh, finish up this hunt and went back to the cabin, packed up and left out a little early and start chipping away hours of this 30 hour road trip that we're embarking on currently as we speak. At, at the start of this, we always planned. I told Matt, I want a day that we set as our last day of hunting, and we hunt until that day. Yep. Like, like we maybe can hunt past it if it's a bugle fest and things are awesome. But, like, I told my wife that I was planning on a 10-day hunt, and that, that included travel. So that left us with really about seven days to yeah. hunt when you factor in us trying to pull an all-nighter and yeah. that kind of thing. And right now we're driving into the night you know putting on the miles so for us we had set today being monday as the last day of hunting and the only way we were going to stay longer is if we shot a bull today and we had to pack it out tomorrow yes because i have we have commitments back home and things like that like on friday i got a family day we're taking the kids up to a a farm and then saturday is the four-year anniversary of my daughter passing and we rent a hotel and do swimming and just stuff just to try and make the day be more of a remembrance than a, like a terrible day. Yeah. And I always have to be home by that date on every elk trip or any time in general. And so whenever you said that, I was like, I don't feel like we're quitting early or anything. It's not like we had another spot up our sleeve. Like there was hunters yeah, everywhere. everywhere. I mean, everywhere and you look. There's no place we can get into. So we did one more calling sequence. Nothing came in. And that was that. Yeah, and I was I was okay with that. You know what I mean? Like, I I felt like we came 
to do what we came to do. Like, obviously, yeah, our, the, it'd be nice to get an elk, but to to Travis and I, and, and we have some like very similar philosophy on on this and mindset, and I I think that's why him and I work so well together is that we find joy in the journey, not necessarily the end result. I haven't always. And same. Like I, I, I used, like, in fact, my last trip, I was so bent on getting that elk that at a certain point, like, fear crept in and, like, just, I, it, it just became, like, I enjoyed it. Like, I enjoyed my last trip. No trip. Like, no doubt. Like, time yeah. with Travis Shire um, and Eric and those guys, like, I love the trip, but just, uh, I don't know, man. I just, I put, I put so much emphasis leading up to that trip on it. And I felt like we balanced that going in this yeah. time. But you and I had this conversation on the walkout. I was like, I th- don't know if people back home understand that in our minds, this isn't a failure. Oh, for sure. We chase bugles, yes. multiple bugles, five out of seven days of hunting. On, like, on basically over-the-counter public land. Yes. It's it just... And going into spots that, yes, we had a tip from a friend. Like, without Jeremiah, yeah, we that would have been a lot harder to figure out those areas. I don't know if it had been the same. Totally. But there's a couple, like, our two closest encounters were a day where we had to improvise. Somebody was at the spot he recommended, so we had to go down the road a few miles yeah. and wing it. Yeah. And that's how we got into, and that's, you know, Jeremiah had some great spots, by the way. But that's nothing against him. It, but for us, it was like, that was validating. Yeah. That we found these these drainages and we hunted hard, um, but I, I I get it. This now is my third trip and I'm coming home and there's not meat in the cooler and I drop money like huge amount of money on the tag and I get that like that to me is it is frustrating. It is like man, we were so close yes. so many times, but at the same time I feel full yes. because we took so many moments, Matt, of just taking in God's creation like yes. Montana. Like it grows on you. Like it's just mountains everywhere. The sun rises, sun sets. The rainbows, like yeah, so oh. amazing rainbow. Like saw storms, clouds. Like I'd be standing on top of a mountain that would be completely clear, looking out and seeing these storms just absolutely hammering in front of me. Just man, it was incredible. Yeah, absolutely and, incredible. And I think that it also allows you know you 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 and I both are in ministry and. I mean, ministry is a job, but it's it's a job that demands us constantly pouring out ourselves into people, right? Yeah. And uh, what hunting has been for me, and I know for you, is a, is a time that you and I get to kind of withdraw from that and and use that as time to fill ourselves up, right? Yeah. It it hasn't always been that, but as years have gone on, we've we've change our perspective and approach and mentality towards the woods and what we're actually there for yeah and though like yes i'm i'm physically exhausted and worn out and worn down and like yes we're leaving with empty coolers but inside i'm so full and thankful for a a trip like this right and so we get to be out there in god's creation like it's a constant reminder of his glory and his perfection and his beauty and and I love how scripture talks about like uh, we are his masterpiece right that God created the mountains and and the the 
animals that we and the elk yeah. and the bugle and the calls and the in the ecosystem and the stars and and just all of its vastness but yet he looks at you and i and says but you you are my masterpiece yeah you are the one that i am most good. happy and proud of right like i stand there and i look at the mountain and I, my mouth drops and i think that is the most beautiful thing in the world but like god looks at us and he's like no because i mean he makes all of day all of the days you go into genesis and it's good it's good yes. it's good the mountains are good the trees are good the animals are good but then he makes us and he says it's very good yes like because yes. we're made in his image we're made like and that just blows me away like yes. i don't always feel that way yeah like same and I think people feel like, you know, oh, man, I'm not a good hunter, or I didn't get an elk, or I didn't get a deer, or I didn't get that promotion, or mm-hmm. we put all this stock in these things, and we feel like we're failures because that's what the world is, is telling you success is. Yes. Success is recognizing that there's a God in the universe that looks at you and says, I made that, and I'm happy with it. Yes. Like, that, that right there can change your perspective on life. Like, yes. It's so huge. And that... This trip is definitely it's a it's a recentering type of trip, right? To yeah. where all the worldly distractions and things that are thrown at us and things we get caught up in and like we just get to focus on one thing that's that's chasing bugles <laughs> and staring at God's creation and all of his beauty. Yeah. And to me it just brings it all back home to what we just said. Well, man, you've been a great hunting partner. I've enjoyed getting to know you even better, and we—I mean, we know each other pretty well already. For sure, getting out there, and you just—we talked about this. Like you, going with a person, you can see them at their highest of highs yes. and lowest of lows. Yes. And we both experienced that. I had—I had some moments of definitely like where I was just feeling that pressure to—I got to get it done, and then just kind of snapped out of it. And next thing you know, we're chasing bugles again. And yeah. For me. I, these trips have just gotten better and better and better and just enjoying them and nothing that's nothing against any of the previous trips i love the people i went with love the stuff i got to do but i've learned more like this time we we really keyed in on those north faces and the water like that was something i hadn't keyed in on as much like that water going up into a north facing making it like a, a beautiful like little oasis at the elk like come down get a drink and then come back up into cover and they can just do everything right there yeah. Like learned that, um, learned about <laughs> different sequences and calling and how a bear can maybe mess everything up yeah. and just uh, learned how far we can push our bodies. Like yeah. like that day, day five hike up that mountain was just absolutely insane what we did and learning more and more about our limits and those yeah. kind of things. It was just a good, good trip. For so, sure, man. For sure. We are uh, driving back, cutting some of this time out. We have no idea where we're going to stop here in a couple hours when we stop to, to get some rest. Might pull off the side of the road, might find a campground or a hotel. Don't know. We're in the middle of nowhere, Montana. Yeah. I think we're still in Montana, right? I don't know, dude. I have no idea where we're at. And, uh, but we thought we'd share our story. I know this is taking a long time. If you listen to all of this, hey, thank you. Thanks for doing it. There will be Matt is posting a story. Uh, kind of a chapter by chapter of each day, what happens, the experiences. He did all of that on his phone. Kind of do a great job with that, I can tell. I, I saw some of his clips. He's got bulls screaming. He's got me with, I don't know if you got me with bear spray, but you have a lot of stuff going on in it. Really good action. Well, during that time, I decided it was not best to pull up my phone and start filming. <laughs> a pistol is better a than bear a bear attacking you. <laughs> 
Uh, I, I don't, thank you, buddy. Yeah, I don't. Thank I just you. don't think that would have played out very well. Yeah. I'm like, that'd be kind of sweet footage. Though, Travis right? died, but I got it on, on video. Film. And yeah. who's gonna want to watch that? Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe so some people. But I, anyway, I grabbed my gun and yeah. instead of the phone. So, but those are stories we'll tell for a long time. But I plan to put together a video, um, just of my experience, kind of a, a thing. This is so we're driving, dude. Tumbleweeds, like seriously, blowing right across the road there. Crazy. I think we might do another episode where we talk about maybe tips and gear oh, yeah. and some things. We learned a lot, man. Learned like, a lot of stuff. Things. And if you guys plan on heading out west to chase elk, man, we'd love to give you everything that we learn. Yeah. The hard way sometimes, just to make sure your life is easier out there and more enjoyable. So make sure you hit subscribe on uh, any place that you listen if you can do that. Leave a rating review if you enjoy and all that good stuff. Make sure you go over and check out Matt's YouTube. Or Matt's, sorry. Instagram. Uh, Instagram. Yep, Matt underscore Dove, Dove underscore media. Yep. And you can check out his pictures and his story that will be coming out when we get back. And uh, that's it for now. We're going to finish this drive, get home, see our families. Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode. Hope to get some other guests on here before too long. Hear some other stories. If you'd like to come on, send me an email at sheddinglightod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening, and remember to shed the light.